0: Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home, your new home. And remember, when you're in death holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Well, how's things been going?
0: We went to look at holiday lights yesterday. And when I say holiday lights, I mean Halloween holiday lights.
1: Yeah, you got to be specific. Uh, this time of year, a lot of people jump the gun and put friggin' Christmas stuff out. So
0: Yeah, we did not see that. We saw some badass houses, though. They were inspirational, man. You talk I'm going to about...
2: go on the record and say I like my image better for you guys' show. Oh, my God. <laughs> the image I made was badass.
0: It was cool. Yeah, though, you had that weird creepy guy uh, vomiting uh, scary stuff out of his mouth. He was hollering. He was holler. He was hollering. He was. Hollering. <laughs> it was. Well, that hollering, is yeah. that's Death Manor right there. Is what you see, and uh, that's where we welcome all the guests who come to visit Death Holler.
2: It'd be cool to put some animation onto it.
0: It's like, you can, and it's it's like Hotel California because you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave.
2: Oh really. Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind of like Oculus. I mean, you think that you've left, but you're still in the house.
0: <laughs> oh, just that that's just a throwback to when we did Oculus. I forget which episode, but go check us out. It was a good episode. That was a fun movie to watch. Reverend, what have you been up to? Uh,
1: watching a shit ton of movies for spooky season. Uh, new ones, actually, in the theater. Um when we covered Barbarian, like I mentioned on that, that I gave it a little bit lower rating than, than you all did um, because of the fact that I'd watched other movies around the time and I was kind of trying to, you know, compare them and, and all that. So I watched Pearl, which is a sequel to X. And I have not seen.
0: Have you seen, I, babe?
2: X sucked. Other than titties, it's <laughs> not really. It was a dud. I didn't think it was very amazing. I liked it,
1: but I, there's a lot of people that, I mean, it was way, it was way overhyped. Uh, Pearl is a completely different movie though. It's, it's set in the night in like 1918, uh, rural Texas. It's more like a, it's kind of set up more like psycho. You're, you're seeing, you know, the, the craziness in Pearl, like as it develops and you know, the before she became the character that you watched in X, the old lady in that one. Um, has a lot of callbacks to some older films and, and it's actually filmed in a, in a style. That's like more like, you know, the, the way that they used to do films, like the big extravagant things they did back in like the forties and fifties where the colors were like super bright and saturated and, uh, almost like, I don't think it has technically a musical number, although it does have like a, uh, some dance routines and all that. So it does even play into that sort of thing. But it's more like just a psychological piece. You're following, you know, the character as she just, you know, steadily goes crazier and crazier as she's trying to become famous. Basically, and I would rate it about a four point five for me. I mean, I just like the the angle that they went with. He went with on that one. It's uh, she's there. There's like a point in the movie toward the end where Mia Goth has like almost a ten minute monologue. And any other movie that it seems like that would be overkill. And it will just bore you to tears, but the way that she delivers it and the and the meaning behind what she's saying is just I mean in the circumstances it's just i mean it, it and it it's amazing that I mean that that it keeps you entertained the entire time that she's like going through this whole thing so
0: I have not heard uh, of any of these movies X or Pearl. I mean I saw a movie poster when I dropped the kids off at the theater the other day but
2: X is basically a uh, Pearl is a prequel to X yeah. Um, it's, so
1: X is like, uh, these people are filming a porno and (laughs) and it's set up like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In fact, it's aping a lot of that stuff, that, that movie. Um, and they're, they're going and and they rent this cabin that's beside these two old folks or whatever to film their porno. And as soon as they get there, they realize there's something, uh, because the the old guys like really creepy and weird. It's even worse when Mia Goth's character in that one, which she's a completely different character. But when she meets the old lady in the house, also played by Mia Goth, like that old the old lady's even creepier than than old dude. Like she's got like, I mean, she's got this weird fetish about Mia Goth's character, and it's all about the fact that she realizes that she's got like star potential, and that's something that she always wanted. And like whenever you go to watch Pearl, you actually see, like, why she's so obsessed with, like, fame and, like, you know, becoming famous because basically, I mean, it's not really ruining anything because it's in X. That way she had her shot, but she missed it. Like, she just didn't have the stuff to be, you know, the famous person she wanted to be.
0: Okay, wait. So, so did, did did Mia Goth play the old lady in the prequel?
1: No, she played the, the uh, potential in porn star. In but ex- yeah, she played the younger version of her in the pre- in the prequel, yes. Which
0: would make sense in X why she was obsessed with her because she saw herself.
1: Yeah, basically it, that's kind of cool. It in all ways, like she literally saw herself, you know. Wow.
0: So. Okay. So wait, wait a second. So these people, these old people, are currently in the house while they are no, filming a porno there. There's a
2: barn. There's like a, a okay.
1: secondary house on
0: the okay. property. Okay, I was like, yeah, it's that. like a
1: little cabin and stuff, and that's where. Uh, and it, it sets it up in Pearl, why that house is there. It's actually, uh, it's it's the place where Pearl actually spent most of her time, uh, you know, herself, like before, you know, she moved into the main house. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it it sets up the, the, the little side house that the other people are filming in later, so.
0: Pearl is such an old lady's name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a... Uh, The thing that's i find interesting about it is the fact it's set in 1918 it's set during the uh uh, you know right as the biggest part of the spanish flu and they they work in i mean you you could roll your eyes this and i can understand it but they roll in a lot of like the way that they responded back in in that time period with the way people responded to covid basically and it's it's very it's eerily similar in certain ways. Like you know, people are afraid to go to you know shopping and all that. They use masks to cover up their faces, which they did. I mean that that's documented. They did that in 1918. That's where they got that. or they got the idea to try to do that now, whether that succeeded or not, that's up to you. But um, it it's kind of interesting that he took that different time period and kind of like you know reworked it. An audience that understands what you know, kind of what they that those people went through to a certain extent,
0: yeah, pretty cool.
1: Um, Smile came out uh very recently. That movie, I want to give it a five, but I don't know if it's got re rewatchability, so I'm going to give it a 4.8. To me, it's got the scares, it's got the I mean, and they're not just jump scares, there's a lot in it, though. There is a lot of jump scares, but it has a lot of tension building between the jump scares. It's one of the few movies. I have seen in recent years outside of hereditary that actually affected me in any way, shape or form.
0: Wow so and it looks kind of gory too so it looks right up my alley.
2: I know what the kids are gonna see this weekend. What? <laughs> Smile.
1: Smile
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I heard I've been hearing nothing but good things about it and I'll tell you what I was watching when I was watching the uh, you know previews I'm like mm, it looks scary but it looks like one of those you, you never know what the previews now if you're getting all of the scares in the preview. And I there, had assumed. There,
1: there are some that oh, are of view, kind yeah. of ruined by the preview. But I'll say this. Even with that... They, they ramped attention up enough to where even when you see that those those some of those particular scares happening, they still, that one of them got me, that's that's clearly in the preview. <laughs> um, and I was waiting for it to happen, and when it did, it's just, I mean, it was like, okay, it still worked, even well, though I knew it was coming. Yeah, I
0: felt like the previews kind of covered up some of the stuff a little bit, so in the movie you actually got to see what happened versus you know it was going to happen. Um,
1: yeah, and... I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but it does combine some themes from some movies that, that have already been out there. That's the biggest complaint I've heard from the, the people that, that didn't like it. They were like, oh, it's just like these three movies combined. And it does it does have that, but there's nothing wrong with taking concepts that are already out there, reworking them into something that's actually scary and letting it roll, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, before you move on to the next movie, Halloween Ends. That's out today. Uh yes. Are we going to see that? Hell no. No, I, everyone's saying it was way better than. Halloween
2: was supposed to end a fucking a good ten years ago. What are we doing, dude?
0: Beating a dead horse is what we're doing.
2: Yeah, I'm not paying for that. <laughs> I'm I'm going to
1: watch it for this podcast, but I don't know what to even think about it because the things I've heard. First of all, they said that it's going to outright piss off at least half the audience if not more oh, so that right there is a, is a you know whatever but then somebody said i heard i read just something in passing i've been trying to avoid spoilers on it but somebody had this comparison to make and i'm not going to say it on here to spoil it For anybody else that might want to watch it, but they compared it to. They said the ending reminded them of another movie, and if and and the movie that they listed is so off the wall compared to what that series is, that I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because if I I don't see how the two of them even link together, let alone say that the ending is like that other movie. So
2: Mm -hmm. um, let me reiterate
1: this. I mean, I'm going to
2: watch it. I'm not going to pay to watch it.
1: (laughs) Well, if. Here's the thing. I heard that it's on Peacock. Anyways, if somebody's oh, actually already paying to stream it, to stream on Peacock. It's on there, so you can watch it that way.
0: F- with with a uh, With a a good email, and I'm pretty sure Death Holler has not <laughs> signed up for a week uh, it's, of free has not Peacock. Signed
1: up for it, yes. If yes. you want to get a free trial and try it that way, then there you go.
0: Yeah, we could we could stream it for free.
2: How, how was the um, the the new Hellraiser movie? Did you watch it yet?
1: Uh, I I did watch it. Uh, it uh, I I actually enjoyed it. I'm gonna say that it to me, it was around uh, like a 3.7, 3.8 out of five. I say that because the first third of it was boring to me. I I mean, uh-uh, it, I can't. Uh, the thing is, is that it, it, it does it does have a scene early on, so it's not completely devoid of action. Just so you know, it's not a slow a slowest of burns. Okay, it does have a scene where somebody's getting like the chains coming out of the you know the layment configuration or whatever, or the the puzzle box, and um and it does show something like that. But then it it goes from that, and it follows this one character who is, uh, you find out she's like in drug rehab, she's been trying to, I mean, she's living with her brother and, and, and she's kind of hooked up with this guy who is, it seems like he's going to like drive her back to doing, you know, all the stuff that got her into rehab to begin with. And, and the, and the, and, and, and it does so happen that whenever she's following this guy, she, he, he takes her to a place where the puzzle box is at. And then that starts the whole process. Uh, so the first start of the movie, you're sitting there watching this character, uh, you know, and her drama that she has for their friends trying to set up the, these relationships so that later, whenever they start getting picked off one by one, you are supposed to care about them. I just like the main actress is kind of flat. I didn't get anything from her. So, like, I could care less about any of her, you know, what she had to do. And then like some, I mean, like her brother was interesting, but then, you know, that's kind of the setup for the movie. He's one of the ones that gets picked off. So then you gotta, you know, then you're left with her again. So you're kind of like, okay, I don't, you know, uh, and until the actual, she opens the puzzle box and then the shit starts happening about, you know, the last half of the movie. Then it gets, I mean, it goes to me, it's the third best in the series period. You got part one, the best part two, Really good, Hellbound Heart, and then you got this one because this beats all of those shitty sequels that they came out with later on in the series. Not saying that much because they are some pretty shitty sequels out there for it, but it's better than a lot of those.
0: Okay, so probably worth the watch then. I haven't seen two and three. Well, excuse me, two in this one.
2: Oh, look at that. If we you have start the movie getting- already.
0: Okay, I'll just put it this not- way: If you start
1: getting bored with the beginning part of the movie, skip forward, and then t- until you start seeing the hell priest pop up, and you know whether that's the new pinhead, the, the androgynous pinhead, and then go from there. So. Look,
0: just because I find something to be slow doesn't mean that other people don't want to see that. So I don't think I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> i just have to suffer through it if i think because that's my fault if i'm suffering through it
1: i'm just telling you that it it, it got to me like i I was trying (laughs) now granted i was trying to watch it after i came home from work i had to do it over the course of a couple nights but i was falling asleep during that first part like it was just i was like i mean i saw the potential there with like the little things that they showed here and there but i was just like come on like i need something something to start you know sometime soon oh dear god Um, have you ever watched fun house?
2: Oh, it sounds familiar. What year?
1: It is a really old, like 1980s, Toby Hooper film. Like it was one of the first films he did after, uh, doing chainsaw.
2: What's the, what's the plot.
1: So they start out and it's got this really cheesy scene at the beginning where it's imitating both psycho Mm and, And uh, the original Halloween, in the sense that there's that you're following somebody, you're in their point of view as they're going through this child's room, and they're picking through like different, they're looking at different things in the room, and they eventually choose like a knife that's hanging on the wall, and they put on like a mask, and they're going down the hallway. They get to the end of the or the, to where somebody's taking a shower. It turns out it's it's the it's the sister of the person who's doing all this. And they, and they act like they're going to stab her or whatever. Well, it's all this, like, set up for nothing because, like, it's the, the it's her brother, and it's, like, a fake knife and whatever, so they're just paying homage that way. But the gist of it is is that she's sneaking out or she's going out with her friends to this. Uh, she says that it's something else entirely because her, her parents don't want her to go to this local carnival because she heard they heard that, like, in some other, like, part of the state, and this is set in Texas, I believe, that uh, there were some people that were that died in association with this carnival, so they don't want her around it. But her and her friends sneak off and and go to it anyways. And it's really weird because he spends a lot of the movie like in the middle, like just showing them go to random things in this weird ass carnival. Has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. Just them going. They see like this fortune teller. Uh they go to like this uh basically say a peep show. I don't know what carnival has peep show, but <laughs> this one did and I would say uh, they see like <laughs> Wow they, they see a, uh, you know, like this, uh, these mutated freaks or whatever. And that does have some bearing on the story, but they see, but they see that. And then one of them gets this wild idea. It's like, Hey, some friends of mine, you know, kind of snuck into the, uh, the fun house that, uh, you know, uh, amongst one of the last rides of the night and then they just stayed there, you know, and kind of partied or whatever. So that's what they do. Hence the name. But what happens is they kind of, uh, they, they, they see a murder take place beneath them while they're in the funhouse, and they get caught. And then the, the pe- and it's the people, the carnies that are running it, then they don't want, uh, they've already had some, you know, obviously some bad, uh, publicity because of some deaths that, that happened earlier. And they even admit that. So, uh, they, they want, they go through and basically are, are trying to kill these kids that, that, you know, uh, stayed in the fun house at night. Um, it's the best thing about it is, is that one of the people in the movie that has like this Frankenstein mask on through the majority of the first half while they're at the carnival, when he pulls it off, he I mean, and what plays into the mutated freaks thing is he's like this inbred mutated freak, yep. uh, like son of the main carny, and he's got and the mat and the makeup work they did on him is actually pretty decent. He's it got this ghastly, good. like albino, you know, uh, split face, uh, type thing. And he's the one that goes around doing the, the all, most of the kills in the movie.
0: Yeah. Sounds really um, familiar. They did a really, really good job. Let me see if I can get a, a picture enough to show the hubs. There you go. Ooh, I've seen
2: that.
0: 1981.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't and, know uh, if you remember this gem, but it, it, never, it didn't really hold up to the test of time. But uh, you've had to have seen it. Uh, Rawhead Rex. I
1: actually, that's one that I've never sat down and watched. I know of it, and I know that it's like it, and I know the story behind it. And it's another Clive Barker thing, mentioning going back to our mention of Hellraiser. But yeah, it's oh, is that his movie? That's based on one of his stories.
2: Yeah, okay, yeah. That when I was a kid, dude, that was such a good movie. And then I was an adult and I watched it, and I was like,
1: (laughs) oh, yeah, it's. That's what I've heard about it, that, you know, like if you, like the people who have nostalgia for it and they go back and watch it, they can't really defend it.
2: Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. But I remember such, when I was a kid, it was such a good, scary movie. The Monster, they did a good job with The Monster, I'll give them that. But yeah, it's, it's so, it's bad.
1: That's that's kind of like this movie. I mean, that monster, like those effects, like whenever that he that that mask comes off of that person, I was like, I just looked at my wife. I was like, oh shit, they actually spent some money on this <laughs> thing. That looks <was> pretty good, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> She's doggy,
1: but uh, yeah, the movie itself, it's it's just kind of like a slow slasher. It's I, I don't. It's and it's. You know, and there's better ones that came shortly thereafter, you know, including Friday the 13th and all that. That's the reason it kind of got buried. I know why it's kind of got some nostalgia for people, but it's not amongst the best of of that type.
0: Uh, Your wife watches all these movies with you. Does she actually watch them or is she like me and she falls asleep?
1: No, she, well, she does the thing where she's like kind of got like an iPad or something off to the side. And okay. Like she's, she looks up on occasion or whatever, you know, <laughs> if, if something really interests her, she'll stay with it. But otherwise, she just checking back and forth. I think her comment at the end of it, and I can't really say anything to the contrary of it, is that it just has a kind of a dumb ending. <laughs> Because they, they didn't really like the main character, the main actress, the final girl, like she just kind of walks out. I mean, like everybody else has like, you know, that she knows has been killed. She finds her way out of there. The carnies are looking at her covered in blood and she's just freaked out of her mind and they're like, whatever, what the fuck? We're just going to go back to doing our job here at the carnival. And (laughs) she's just staggering among the crowd and that's how it ends. It's just like, okay.
2: That's actually pretty believable.
1: (laughs) I, well, actually, I can believe it, too.
2: It's yeah, just, it, it's still it. Maybe <laughs> her walking is a unbelievable. But them saying, I got to get shit. I, gotta get, I, gotta oh, go I got to get I yeah. got to get back to my
0: carny job over <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, I could see that. <laughs> do, does does the uh, lady reverend uh, listen to the podcast?
1: I don't think so. No. OK, I,
0: I don't know how she thinks about the hobby. I don't know if she'd ever like go on it. Like, I, I don't know anything about the lady reverend. So <laughs> the lady misses death.
1: Yeah, she. Uh, I don't know. She was. I uh, was not impressed by that ending. She was just kind of <laughs> like, is that it? Is that what? what how the movie's going to end? Because it, it. I mean, the that that freak that you saw the picture of that he he does eventually die, but it's just kind of like okay. I mean, you know, there's there's no like end scene where like any cops pull up or even like the girl's parents like she's been gone all night, you know, which she did tell them that she's gonna stay at a friend's house. Oh, they of don't course. come looking for her. Yeah, and we the all. brother knows she's there, and they've got the brother with him, but they they give the kind of bullshit statement that whenever he gets scared by the car, and he's, when he's trying to find his sister that he falls into a f- fever uh out of nowhere and he can't speak for some reason he, or he's like in kind of like in this feverish like sleep or something so it's like okay i guess that's one way to ride out the the one way that Dude, cops could have been involved
2: that's a stretch
0: i think parents know yeah. now that whenever we say we're spending the night at a friend's house we are lying in a field somewhere probably half dying from alcohol poisoning <laughs> or some other substance
1: yeah, that that scene with the brother is just so dumb. It's like, I mean, they're sitting there, and there's this weird carny that's like telling them all this stuff. It's like, yeah, he just we found a little guy here, and he and 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 he's sitting there like rubbing this kid's head with like a cloth, saying oh he's God. got this fever, and it's got this real pedophile vibe to it. <laughs> it's like, are like hmm, okay, that, that 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 checks out, you know. And they just like, come on, we're gonna take him home. No, thank you. I'm like,
2: that is some of the laziest writing I've seen. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everybody quit at the very end of script. <laughs> well, wrap see, this the
1: script. The, the, the thing that aggravates me is that that's like three-fourths of the way through the movie. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> and then you get to see the rest of the the teenagers die after that. I'm just like, okay, that <laughs> makes no sense. No. Um, uh, I did see a decent movie, though, uh, to round this out. Shut Trick or treat. Ugh the the Michael
2: Dardery movie. No, he knows uh, I love I, this movie. Oh, I was like,
0: what? It's a hell of a good movie. <laughs> I'm just mad he got to see it in the theater. Like, how come we yeah, don't get those? Oh, oh,
2: you you seen the 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 sequel? <laughs> no, now it's
0: are the original movie it in they, the theaters. They
2: oh, like a... they're playing it in the theaters.
0: I don't know that they're doing yeah. it at our theater, but uh, yeah. you know, there's festivals. Yeah, or not.
2: I love that movie. That's a good. I like those small snippet type stories they work good for setting up horror
0: but they all just tie in together too which is kind of cool yes.
2: well the and best that's are- the- Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that's the best thing about trick or treat like of all those anthology movies usually you've got one good one one absolute dud and one you're like eh, it had some decent stuff I, every story I was sitting there trying to rank them in my head. And like, I, there are a couple that I like better, but like, they're all up there. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, I find new things that I like about each individual segment in the movie.
2: Well, the best is when you get those small stories, you, you get the, you get the trim, all the character development down to like a, a surface level inspection a lot of times. So you can get this, get right to a story and you don't got to, you don't even got to end it. Good. All you gotta do is, just, yeah, it's ending. This is how it ends. It's awesome. You're they're quick in their punches. Boom, set it up, hit it, get it out.
0: Shut the fuck up. Guess what? What? It's at the drive-ins. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Well, you know what is you're going to be watching. It is uh, today, tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Oh, we should go Sunday. Hold on, let me see. We
2: get some fried chicken. Yeah, they Hell have a, yeah.
0: What, fried chicken. Oh <laughs> yeah,
2: at the drive in <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah, so, uh, tomorrow seven. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, seven p.m. Basically. Go get some of that uh,
2: Winco fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest issue
1: I had watching this, and it's probably because I mean I did watch like a matinee, and I'll, I'll put it that. I just it kills me that like movies have like i mean because of like the way that you know everything was shut down with covid and people got used to streaming and movie theaters granted for years have been overpriced for what they deliver I you know but i i just hate that that experience is like going away because we were there and like there was maybe like four other people in the theater with us that entire theater was dead though there was like one person and this is a theater in 2019 before all this hit, that was like, if you went there at any given time, it was just like lines out the door. And there was like, there was only one person like working like the, the concession booth because there was nobody in there. Oh, wow. and, I, and this is like in a, in, in the bigger city. I mean, like the one we have local here is a smaller theater and it's busier. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on with this?
2: See, I said, um, I think there's such a big market for driving right now. Drivers are awesome. Cause you get to bring your own stuff. It It's cheap to get in. It's, it's a real easy, easily marketable thing.
0: Well, yeah, yeah but... Well, we, oh, go ahead, Revan.
1: I was just going to say, we had one uh, in a, in, the, in the next county over from us, but they shut down because uh, uh, COVID kind of killed them too. Like the, the original owner who had such a passion for it, he was an old man. He passed away. His son took it over. They tried to make a go of it, but then COVID happened, and now it, we don't even have access to that anymore. But that was yeah. the one drive-in we had.
0: We do. All of our theaters, local to us, are pretty fucking busy. Um, You pretty much have to buy your tickets on the app, or else you're not going to get seats together. Um, You know, there's still, like, a few empty seats here and there, but they're more peppered than anything. It's not like... Wow, no one's here. The only time you'll get a movie where it's not a lot of people, and I and I don't know if this is how it is for you every time, but a movie like Trick or Treat where it's an older movie, people are like, oh, I don't want to pay money to see that in the theater. They don't see the value. Um, we always send our kids to the, I don't know how to pronounce it, Ghibli festivals? G- G- um,
2: Anime festivals. Ghibli. Yeah, Ghibli. Yeah. There we go.
0: Um, we send them to those, and um, they're pricey as fuck. They do charge up for those. But, um, Sometimes they're super full. Like if it's you know my neighbor Totoro, yeah, it's gonna be booked. But like Hellings Castle, that one wasn't. Yeah, that they for whatever reason that one wasn't super booked. So yeah,
2: I just got Nona movie. I I haven't let her seen it yet. It's called uh, Bella. It's pretty. It looks pretty good. I watched like the first twenty minutes. It's hella good.
0: Mhm. So yeah. Uh. Anyway. Wow. Uh, well, so well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep it on. Death holler, right here.
2: It's a conversation. We're talking about we movies. haven't
0: even started the actual show yet. This is the cold, open, <laughs> that's true. But so we need to um, tighten it up.
2: But
1: I, but that's my biggest, I mean, like it's just and I understand that. I mean, but it, it, this whole theater was like there was barely anybody in it. And I mean, they're playing all of the major movies that are out right now. That's what I mean. I was just, I was just like, shit like the parking lot had like maybe 10 cars in it, and it's like one that held like hundreds, oh, you that know, sucks. before. So it's just like, I mean, I was looking at it and I was like, this shit's about to go away. Like, because I, and I'm, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm watching a movie at the house, like, I mean, because I've not paid anything investment wise into it, I start looking at my phone anymore. Like even if it's a movie I really like, I'm like, you know, Oh, let's just see what's going on my phone. And I'm like, fucking, I have to forcibly put it away. And I yeah. don't have that problem in the theater because, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a darker room, bigger screen, you know, you've paid to get in there a uh, big upcharge to get into it. And it's like, I'm going to fucking watch this movie. I don't, you know, whatever. I'm going to put my, phone you know on on silent you know and mute it and all that stuff but like at home it's just like yeah i I get kind of check and see what my emails are saying
0: (laughs) what's going on in death holler
1: Yeah, it's like, I mean, I don't know. that That's probably, that might be a me problem, but I don't, I mean, I know so many people that do the same shit, though. Like, they they, they talk up a good game. It's like, I love the stream from the house. And then when you talk to them, it's like, well, did you see this one part in the movie? And they're like, no. And it's like, because they were looking at their phone while they were watching the movie, you know. It, it's just how it goes. See,
2: um, what I like to do is try to get our projector set back up. I, I like watching <laughs> stuff outside in the projector. Because you go out there, it's different. You're not inside the house. You're outside. Yeah. You're watching on a big screen. To me, that's, it, it was always fun going out there with the kids and watching horror movies. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: That, that would make for an a experience that would be closer to the movies and probably keep somebody's interest because of the novelty of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: It's different. You're outside, and, and it's not that too, but it's awesome going out there during a kind of winter when it's not raining, but it's cold. You get a, you get a fire pit going, and then you're out there watching a movie. It, it makes for an awesome time. Yeah, I could see that.
0: Well, speaking of people outside. Let's we let, let them... those people in. Let's let them in.
1: Death hauler. I'm your host and former sea captain, the Reverend Doctor Death, and joining me this evening is a spirit that knows a thing or two about drowning, La Urena. Did you ever use the cover of a deep fog to claim your victims, Urena?
0: You know, I have not, but I have—I can honestly now say that I've been inspired.
1: <laughs> it, it's apparently a pretty good plan if you're if you're a ghost is the uh, roll up in the fog and just start ganking people left and right
0: yeah but the problem is, is that children rarely play by the water in the fog now granted we did have one stupid little one in this film like i would have snatched that one up real easy but yeah it, it does it's it, it's not a real catcher of getting the children towards me you know
2: i i get you how are you doing noah i'm doing solid just watching my wife criticize every good movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that here in a little bit this evening we are covering a classic ghost film from a certifiable master of horror we're taking a little trip out to, out of the holler and into Uranus neck of the woods to see how the good folks of antonio bay california are doing
0: that place isn't real
1: years. <laughs> what's that
0: i said that place isn't real
1: it's been a hundred years since a group of mariners shipwrecked off the coast of the idyllic little town. And the weather report is giving word of a dense fog moving inland, but that's just all a coincidence, right? Join us as we brave the mist and discuss John Carpenter's beloved 1980 film, the fog. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you would take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It uh, helps us get more visibility on the podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media our new TikTok channels, Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under the Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show.
0: Um, yeah, we are but- getting quite uh, little by little, we're getting more followers on every platform. YouTube, uh, De- uh, TikTok has taken off, but that we don't know that they're listening to the podcast yet. Uh, <coughs> here and there, we're getting more people following us, so hey, interact with us. Uh, we, we do respond, by the way. So. And they're
2: going to start doing live shows in the near oh, future.
0: Oh, yeah, we are. Like, yes. literally, it'll, uh, I mean...
2: There's a number to call in and everything. No,
0: there is not. Yeah,
2: there is. <laughs> There'll be a number so you can call in and, and live.
0: I, yeah, but I can't, I don't know that him and I can commit to, hey, every night at this. Not when they night,
2: do a live show, you can call in. <laughs> It'll be Friday,
0: Friday nights or Sunday mornings. It's a surprise. <laughs> we'll try to announce it.
1: Let's, uh, let's roll into a, a tag of the bees. <laughs>
3: What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh no! not the beast! Not the beast! I'll ah!
0: oh, my eyes! <laughs> the <Yes>. heavy <hubby> smiling.
2: <laughs> I want to make this videos week. for all your guys' little intro <laughs> things, like all the transitions, like different things you have. It'd be. I, I want to set up videos and make videos for it.
0: All right, I'll send you the stuff and you can get on that.
1: Uh, This week, your eyes will be assaulted by the uh, (laughs) uh, 1987 film Prison, uh, directed by Rennie Harlan, written by Erwin Yablins, who wrote the story, and C. Courtney Joyner, who wrote the screenplay, along with uh, Rennie Harlan, who's uncredited. Music is by Richard Band and Christopher L. Stone. Richard Band is actually responsible for a lot of uh, Z-grade budget films. Uh, Puppet Master and, and those sort of movies are kind of in his wheelhouse.
2: What did you say? Z-grade?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, uh Whenever you think that you've got a movie that's like a B-grade movie, just uh, remove some of the budget and you, you've got a Charles Band film usually. <laughs> This one was actually made for a budget of four million dollars.
0: That was a lot it back then,
1: whopping, wasn't it? No. Uh, it, it fairly was. But this is actually one of his more prominent uh movies as far as like having special effects and that sort of thing. You bought a couple of uh, fireworks. Made, uh, it made a whopping three hundred and forty or three hundred and fifty four thousand dollars in the box office. So Woo It d- didn't make its money back by any means.
0: Oh shit.
1: Um, principal players in this, Lane Smith plays uh the warden sharp, uh, who is starts out in the first part of the movie, like the very first intro scene, as a corrupt prison guard. And of course he becomes like this hardneck warden, you know, later on, whenever he gets a little bit more power. Uh, and it also turns out that he's a murderer and uh set the guy up that you see die to the, the first part of the film and ends up being the vengeful ghost later on. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um Lane Sharp, for anybody who doesn't know the name, because I wouldn't recognize it, is that smarmy country lawyer that you see in my cousin Vinny. Oh, wow. The one, <laughs> the one that's always like trying to, you know, get one over on, on Vinny whenever he's trying to, you know, defend his uh, cousin or whatever. Um, he was also in Red Dawn. He played the uh, conniving, you know, a no spine mayor who tries to, who turns the town over to the commies. Um, he plays the, the, the bad, he's always playing a bad guy in the movies. <laughs> he, he played the bad guy in the mighty ducks. He's the one that, uh, uh, uh Emilio Estevez, uh, was, uh, you know, a student under whenever he was a young, you know, kid or whatever. And then whenever he grows up, he's the one that's running the rival, you know, uh, the rich kids. Uh, yeah. The rich kids or whatever the, the uh, hockey league. And then, you know, he's always telling them to do these dirty things to kind of mess with the ducks. And, um he's also which is going to be uh, for an upcoming attack of the bees he was also a, uh, a bad uh, bad guy farmer in the Dark Knight of the Scarecrow so you'll be seeing this guy again in another attack of the bees
0: not another bad guy movie
1: <laughs> uh we have Vigo Mortensen uh playing Burke
0: never heard in of this him.
1: movie yeah never heard of Vigo um plays a car thief. Uh, but he's an honorable guy, you know. He he's he's the stand-up protagonist in this movie, even if he was arrested for stealing cars. And uh, it turns out that Forsyth, the man that you see at the beginning of the movie, uh, who is being you know executed, was actually his father. The script doesn't directly give you that, but it's in there. And it and it and he's the one that ends up releasing his father's spirit into the prison. So it's kind of got some tie-ins that way. Um. Vigo, what's your all's favorite Vigo movie?
2: Uh, the new one he just did, uh, Future Crimes, Crimes of the Future.
1: I forgot that he did that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I need to. I still need to see it, but I've heard some good things about There's it. That Cronenberg one, being at the
2: One he did is hell good. I I still like. It still holds up. Is the Road? That's another good one he did. Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying. He has a couple other ones, but The Road is a huge standout movie to me. As it's a post-apocalyptic type environment where everything's just sideways and you can't trust anybody.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's super dark. What about you, Urena? What do you think?
0: Um, well, call back to episode or season one of Death Holler, uh, Devil Season. Uh, I'm gonna go with the prophecy.
1: He he was. I mean, we said it then. He is one of the best satans on film, next <laughs> to Peter Stormare. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm a basic bitch. He's Aragorn <laughs> to me, so there you go. I, <laughs> but I'll tell you this: I didn't realize he was in that 1998 Psycho remake. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Well, we're probably I'm probably gonna rewatch it for next season of Death Hall or anyways. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize he was in that.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't even know that.
0: I don't even know if I've seen it. <laughs> But is that really a surprise on this here episode or show? No, no. (laughs) Everyone, around the world, you hear the gasps.
1: (laughs) Uh, We have Chelsea Field playing Catherine in this. She's the prison board member. Uh, She's actually the advocate for the prisoners in the movie, and uh, she's the bane of uh, Warden Sharp's existence because she's always (laughs) one checking in and making sure that he's not doing underhanded shit, which... Spoiler alert, he's doing all the damn time when her back's turned. So, it, you know, she can only do so much when she's around. Um, she was in the Omen TV movie. Uh, she was in the Dark Half. She was in Death Spa, <laughs> which is a very fucked up movie from the 80s.
2: The Dark which- Half. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to remember that one.
1: That's the uh, Stephen King movie where uh, uh, I believe it's Ed Harris. Or no, Ed Harris is in Needful Things. It's where uh, you you have uh, Michael Rooker playing Alan Pangborn, and like he's, and then you have the the writer director, or I mean, the writer is uh, the one who's like end up killing everybody because he's like he's he had this tumor that was removed, and and it, it it's like the, in this ghostly spirit, this uh, pseudonym that he made up, Charles Stark or something like that uh, comes back and starts killing all these people. And it just so happens he has the same fingerprints because he's a twin. Like, you know, that was it's removed. At, or ex has, ex, it sounds yeah.
2: almost like you can call the movie malevolent. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or basket case. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that she was also on the birds too. lands in, which I've never seen that, but I've heard as far as like, just, you know, follow-ups to movies goes, That's not bad. But I didn't. She was like the voice for Tila in the original Masters of the Universe.
0: Oh shit! That's,
1: per, that's pretty cool.
0: Wait, the birds like the like the original Hitchcock.
1: Yeah, th- this was like a this was a sequel that was like I want to say done maybe a, a half a decade to a decade later, and okay. it like. It's got its fans because I mean they they went way more into like the birds like actually killing people on that one I think versus the went original into the, movie the there. birds
0: backstory and how they became the way they are <laughs> they were really good people until their land was taken.
2: Anytime I I yeah. think of the birds I think of a a, uh, a riff tracks movie where they watched this movie about the birds, it not the Stephen King one but some horrible like Z movie that they, they're watching, and they're just bashing this movie the whole time, and it's the most worstly directed movie and filmed ever. Like, there's parts when they're on the side of the road shooting these fake guns at birds, and there's just regular traffic driving by, like, <laughs> nothing's wrong. It is so bad.
1: That, that's that's probably Zombie 5, uh, Killing Birds or something, I think oh the name God. of that one. That's supposed to be really bad.
2: Oh, yeah, um, it was horrible. Like, they were just doing shots in regular public with people just walking around. And they're supposed to be acting like the world's ending. It was so bad.
0: Uh, Well, two things to note. Uh, My children did take their uh, Catholic uh, first communion photos at the church where the original birds was filmed. So nice little. And we do have a picture of us running from birds. (laughs) because <laughs> you can't you can't not do that uh, also you can catch us reviewing the birds in our season when bad animals go bad that'll be upcoming yeah <laughs>
1: uh, that's that that movie's actually it stands up it's i mean it's a really good movie it actually. is i, I remember mean, uh we have lincoln kilpatrick playing Croesus, who is uh the old blood he's uh he's been in prisons all over the land whenever he gets transferred in this one uh, and he's a traitor with a guilty conscience. He's actually the one who turned in Vigo's dad and, and got him and, and got uh, Wayne Smith's uh, character uh, off from the charges that would have happened to him to begin with. Um, he played in The Piranha, the TV movie, and he played in Soil Green, amongst others. Ooh, that's which a good is, movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. That's such a good uh, movie.
0: You can also catch Piranha. In the upcoming "When Bad Animals Go Bad,"
1: <laughs> oh, that that's going to be an interesting season. I don't, <laughs> we we've got to cover Piranha Three Double D in that movie. Oh, not, yes. in That season, if nothing else,
0: yes. Uh,
1: Tom Everett plays Rabbit, uh, who is a scumbag out for himself. You get that from the very first time that he pulls up to the prison and takes control of the bus and tries to run out of the place, and then. Uh, turns out he's very unsuccessful at breaking out of a prison. He gets a (laughs) lot of pipes shoved through every damn orifice in his body, and some that don't even exist.
0: (laughs) Well, they made an orifice is what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, yeah. They made made a few extra. Uh, He he was in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, Tremors 3, Back to Perfection, uh, Dances with Wolves, and then Air Force One. So he was in a mix of movies.
0: Uh, First off, you can catch me wearing my child's leather face shirt right now. I have that on. It is so cool. It actually feels like a face. Uh, And also, (laughs) will we be reviewing Tremors in When Bad Animals Go Bad? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's that. that that's more of a creature movie. There, there's a season for creature features, and I think that would probably okay. be better than that. You kind of throw that in there with, I mean, there's all kinds of just movies that are about, like Kindred, uh, the Kindred or whatever. It's like a movie about this weird creature that's like an aborted fetus that turns into a monster or hey. something. It's, you know.
0: Okay. <laughs> I just it wasn't sure. I was trying to bring up when bad animals go bad, even though that's not in the near future. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Ivan Kane plays Lasagna, okay. who is a Sly Stallone fan. Uh, got got the Brooklyn accent and all that stuff going uh-huh. on. Easy going, but he doesn't value life. The first time he tells uh, Vigo about uh, how he got in there, he basically stole a, a car and... Uh, he's not hes not upset over the fact that he stole a car. He's just upset that the fuckers who tried to pull him over uh, inconvenienced him, and he had to fill him full of lead to get, try to get out of there. So hes that's the kind of character you're doing with old lasagna. Um,
3: when was, was this movie Platoon made?
1: And, what's
2: that? When was this movie made?
0: 1987? Could you imagine uh, 81, writing it? I think. A, wait, you're talking... Wait, <laughs> or, what no, are you 87. Talking? You're 87, okay.
1: yeah.
2: Could you imagine writing a character like that nowadays, an Italian guy... <laughs> Name lasagna. Uh, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, I could see it, but people are going to be mad. It'd be
2: hilarious. It'd be almost like, it, that's a character for a comedy movie, a comedy horror movie, like a scary movie.
1: <laughs> I didn't put this in in there. I just realized it. I missed it. The The character that they p- pair him up with, whenever they all get locked in their cells, play is, is the bad guy from Friday. You know, the one with uh, with Ice Cube. Oh, you know, Tiny The Lester. one, that's, uh, yeah, the one yeah, giving tiny, the yeah. eyes? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's, uh, he's even still got the eye thing going on in it. And, you know, <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, is this what happened to him after he got knocked the fuck out? Oh I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and And uh, rounding out the cast, we got Kane Hodder, uh, who's playing actual Forsyth at the end of the movie. Uh, most of the movie, it's just like the ghost is like these uh, visual effects of like lightning and stuff. But at the end, they actually give him like a body or whatever. Is he like shit's really going down? And um, he's uh, and 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 they do uh, the effects are at times are cheesy, but they're, they're the lovable kind of cheesy. Like when you see somebody like melting at one point, like he's, he's melting inside of his solitary cell. Like, I mean, you can tell, I mean, just the prosthetics, it's like rubber or whatever, but just the way they do them and the, and everything, I, you got to give credit to them for trying on the budget they had.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: but Kane Hodder's character Forsyth actually looks pretty good at the end of it. it looks like this undead monster or whatever. Um, and of course Kane Hodder's been in a ton of shit he's he's Jason the Jason everybody knows at least i mean there were several others but he took a he took on the role at part 7 and then like had it for a long long time after and he's the big hulking Jason that everybody remembers yeah. uh 7 he was in that i didn't realize uh he was uh, of course Victor Crowley in the Hatchet films uh, he was in Puppet or Pumpkinhead Part Two, Blood Wings, Wishmaster, and then Alligator One and Two, and then of course he was in Ghoulies Go to College, which that'll be in Creature Feature season. So we get to see the Ghoulies and their toilet uh, shenanigans.
0: And you can catch our review of Alligator oh, One and Two, and one. when Bad Animals Go Bad
2: <laughs> for, for the for the creatures that'll definitely be in that season <laughs> for for the year that or for the season you guys do the for creatures and stuff like that critters. Oh yeah. Oh, oh for real.
0: Talk yeah, yeah
2: that's too. 100%. And you know what the Christmas
1: episode's going to be? There's only one thing you could put on a creature feature for a Christmas episode.
0: Gremlins.
1: Gremlins. There you go.
0: <laughs> so excited. Uh,
1: synopsis for synopsis for this movie is that overwhelmed with too many prisoners and lacking the budget to build a new one, a southwestern prison board opens up a condemned prison to carry the overflow rebuilding and prison maintenance is left up to the warden sharp (laughs) who puts the 300 prisoners sent to him through hell to get things up and running uh things seem to go as planned until two prisoners open up the part of the prison won't choose for executions and inadvertently unleash a vengeful spirit from the past uh no one is safe inmates are fried to a crisp barbed wire has a mind of its own and which by the way kills ted's dad from bill and ted that he's one of (laughs) prison guards and he gets uh he gets a lot of barbed wire inserted into places that don't need to be inserted there. And anyone uh, trying to leave is cut down by a machine gun with a mind of its own. Ooh! <laughs> I'm giving this the Nick Cage rating with kick ass because it's <laughs> over the top and it's kills, but it's also over the top and it's acting, but it's fun to watch. So I want to see
0: go. it.
2: No, you don't. <laughs> if I get this, you will fall asleep in the first that 10 minutes. That
0: sounds right up my alley. Don't act like it doesn't.
2: I'm gonna hold you to that.
0: Okay. I mean, and if I don't like it, then you're right. I mean, I I won't I won't lie and not admit that you were right. But I mean, sounds like a lot. Your rating
2: should be raised raised on of like a coma to a snooze. (laughs) Like coma is like the worst, and a snooze is like your best. (laughs) I swear to God.
0: My snooze fest rating. Yeah. It it has to become an official thing because I can't even count how many times I said snooze fest on this. I rate this movie a
2: coma. So. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: slept through the entire thing. So, when we told Donnie uh, G at Video Smashup that we're going to be recording uh, our, views, our review on The Fog, I think he might have uh, actually legitimately picked the wrong movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You might want to decide that whenever we whenever we play this.
0: Well, you guys promised me there would be no more porn. So, this better not be porn again. Let's see. I can't promise anything. <laughs> we'll see. And now, it's time for another episode of I Think I Downloaded the Wrong Movie.
3: Hello everybody, it is Donnie G and today I am actually going to be reviewing the 2005 remake The Fog. The key players in this are Tom Welling from Smallville, Maggie Grace, Selma Blair from Cruel Intentions, and D-Ray Davis from Reno 911. Synopsis, a thick mist full of vengeful spirits haunts a prosperous island town off the coast of Oregon as its inhabitants try to learn their town's dark secrets in order to stop it. Okay, now let me get one thing clear before I get started. I am not trolling whenever I make this statement, but this is an example of why I hate it when they try to remake classics. And I am not making a comparison between this and the original. Even if the 1980 version had never been made, this movie would still suck. And I really do hate saying that because I really (laughs) wanted to like this movie. But the dialogue was weak, the CGI was overused, and really not that good, even by a 2005 standard. And I'm not sure if it was just written poorly or if it was because of bad casting decisions. It just seemed like none of the main characters could land their roles. I mean, not even the cheap jump scares were landing. And IMDB, they seem to be agreeing with me. Uh, with 37,000 reviews, uh, it got ranked two out of five stars. Shit. On Rotten Tomatoes, with wow. over 100,000 reviews, it got 19%. Whoa. For me, I'm going to give it a 1.3 out of five. And the only reason that I'm giving it that extra 0. .3 is is because there's one scene where Selma Blair is walking around in her underwear. <laughs> so that is it for me, friends. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Big Bald M F E R. You can also follow me on TikTok, Big Bald M F E R. And of course, don't forget to follow the show at Death Holler Podcast. And until next time, friends, get fucked.
1: Oh my God! Wow, he he, legitimately watched the wrong movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's never gonna watch a movie, is he? Uh,
1: no, Whoops. but uh, I believe he took one uh, for the team harder than any of the, the <laughs> film actresses he normally covers.
0: No pun intended on the harder, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad I didn't rewatch that for our review.
0: Uh, The hubby did. And he was like, this is horrible. And he thought that I was going to be interested in it because Tom Welling's in it. And I was like, okay, let's get one thing straight. Tom Welling was skinny back then. Not at all. My type. I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch Smallville because I thought he was good looking. Uh, He's good looking to me now because he a thick boy. So (laughs) there's that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was. Uh, I believe he was like a male model before he ever got that role for Smallville. So he was definitely not your type before. Yeah. Uh, getting all chunky, but
0: yeah, which poor is
1: Do- poor Donnie G.
0: I know he tried. <laughs> you know what? I'll give it to him. An effort was made, and he ended up being the one getting fucked, and not the way he wanted to. Uh, I
1: was getting ready to say the director gave it to him too, but not in the way he wanted.
0: <laughs> oh, hey! Uh, thanks for your uh, submitted review, there, sir.
1: <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> So on to the main movie discussion for the evening. We have The Fog, the 1980 version. We're not covering the 2005 piece of shit. But oh, why not? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we uh, actually uh, don't we have some uh, something from uh from uh, Donnie uh, about that. Oh, uh, didn't he-
0: son of a bitch. I didn't prepare it. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, that that uh, look for our coverage of it through our uh, favorite video store owner uh, coming to you soon because he did cover that movie because he did download the wrong movie this time.
0: Yes, uh, you know what? I'll probably just edit the podcast. Maybe not the video, but I will edit the audio so that we're just going to insert him right where he needs to be, you know?
2: I should have booked the yeah. fog machine in here and just blew it at you the whole time. No, thank you. <laughs> So, anyways, The Fog 1980,
1: directed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, uh, which was his ex-wife at the point that this movie movie's made, which is crazy, but anyways. Uh it was music mutual. by John Carpenter. Um let, let's just go and throw this out there. John Carpenter is a badass musician. Like he's oh, yeah. got some of the best soundtracks in movies.
0: Very spooky, nice, uh, I don't know tension building and but I did notice because this music did sound like Halloween and I told the hubby when I'm watching I'm like this sounds like the same composer as Halloween and I did not know it was John Carpenter (laughs) so naturally I googled it and yes I, I was right it was John Carpenter.
1: And he has a, I mean, since we're talking about it, he has the the music, I mean, I love the the theme to this movie. That's the one that you're talking about. It's got the synthesizer yes. and all that stuff to it. But he's got music uh, in the scene where the fog is rolling in toward the end of the movie, and they're all, like, running away in cars up to the top of the hill where the church is at. That music plays like the music from The Entity. It's like this just, like, jar oh, yes. like, thumping music or whatever. And it adds so much of the fucking tension to that scene. Like, you're sitting there, like, Get out of there, you know. Like, and it's the music that's adding to it more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, for a budget of one point one million dollars, uh, it actually made twenty one point three. So Dude, whoa, barely covered
0: the cost. Man, <laughs> <laughs> he's lucky. And in this film, by the way, the spoiler alert is not considered a, a good a success. It, it is monetarily, but it was in terms of. Comparing it to Halloween because it was put out so soon after Halloween, technically, uh, people are uh, their their review is that it's not as good, which is fine, but it's not a failure. You
1: what know, well, you know? What's dumb about that though? Do you, do you, do you, the story behind Halloween is it released, it left theaters. People started talking about it. They brought it back to theaters. People kept coming to it. They they kept it in theaters. The movie was in a, in movie theaters for almost a year and a half. Damn. So it 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 had tons of time to make money. So yes. it's not like I mean you know you got to give a little bit of leeway there. I mean as far as the comparison goes. <laughs> uh, principal players in this is Adrian Barbeau who plays Stevie Wayne, the radio DJ and the hot single mom <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> uh this she was john carpenter's wife during the filming of this oh and that's what i'm saying it's kind of <laughs> weird that his co-writer and producer deborah hill his ex-wife had to deal with the fact that his new wife was in the, i don't know how that worked out it did because they made the movie but you know it's kind of that has to be awkward
0: well it doesn't okay like sometimes when you're a power couple and you, the marriage doesn't work out you're still a good working couple per se I know that The Rock still has his first ex-wife as his agent.
1: Okay, Yeah, so, there, there are things out there like that. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is actually her first acting role in a movie. She was known for like being in a soap opera type, you know, TV stuff before Carpenter put her into this. So this is kind of her break into films. And boy, did she break in the films because she is in a ton of shit. Like I didn't even include, I mean, a fraction of her stuff. I just went to like the stuff that was like horror related when I put this down outside of back to the school, because that movie's fucking amazing. And Sam Kennison in it just kills it. So watch that movie. If you've never seen it, uh, Ronnie Dangerfield movie, but, uh, she was in pitchfork, uh, Kindling, uh, Scooby-Doo on zombie Island. She was a voice in wow. that. Wow. Uh, she was obviously and she was an escape from New York uh, she was in the thing she was actually uncredited uh, she was the voice of the computer in the movie wow. which was uncredited for her uh, she was in Creep Show she was in Swamp Thing Creep Show
2: she was such a major bitch in that Oh fucking... she was
1: the worst bitch in that movie What was uh, she in Creep Show?
2: She was a girl that got mauled by the thing in the box she was a shitty wife and uh if i remember wasn't that guy that was the the university professor also the guy that was the preacher in the, the fog? preacher? Yep.
1: Okay. Uh, Al Holbrook. They were working together again, and he was playing her basically her uh, submissive husband, and and like she was a like a gold digging bitch that just basically told him where to go and where to stick it, and like she never actually put up any effort on her side of it.
0: I for some reason cannot remember that on Coop show I I don't know why that.
2: Yeah. He the 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 thing just tears her apart.
0: Creepshow was the one that had the thing in the in the in the lake that those kids were trying to escape.
2: Correct.
1: That's that's the second Indian guy. That's That's the second one. That's the raft from part two. And then thanks
0: for the ride lady.
2: Yes. Oh that's my favorite.
1: That's That's my favorite one.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) okay, okay. okay.
2: Thanks for the ride lady.
0: Okay, moving on, sorry.
1: An old Chief Woodenhead, which would definitely get you canceled today, but yes. let's not even talk about that. Uh
0: pretty sure there is a movie that Don could have downloaded about Chief Woodenhead. <laughs>
1: Uh, but she was, she's been in a tons of horror themed cartoon voiceover work, as well as horror TV. Adrienne Barbeau is like a queen of horror movies. So like, I mean, she got her start in this movie, but like she went on, like she, that she's amongst like Jamie Lee Curtis, which is also in this movie. And I'm getting ready to introduce next as being like one of the, you know, you know, some of the biggest in the genre,
0: um, Uh, Adrienne Barbeau, though, seriously, she has the most soothing voice, which made her perfect for a radio DJ, but, like, it was so soothing. Like, it was like, it was putting, it was lulling me to sleep is what it was. (laughs) And we really do have that out here in California. I mean, I'm sure everywhere has. And it's probably more of a, um, like, she's obviously by the bay, Antonio Bay, obviously, but it is a thing where, by the bay, they do have these radio stations where they play the soft, comforting music. Not as old as what is in this movie, but, you know, similar, maybe smooth jazz or something. And you always have this radio host that sounds just like, you know, Stevie. And I'm like, oh, my God.
1: And and the interesting thing about her voice is you can tell the, the little bit of that smoker's rasp comes in. Oh, but yeah. It's just enough to make her voice even more soothing. Like yeah. <laughs> normally, that's like a detriment, but it actually helps her voice in this uh we have jamie lee curtis never heard of know, her m- uh, yeah making her uh, return to a john carpenter film uh playing elizabeth solly in this who is a hitchhiker a wannabe artist and a free love kind of gal she'll just hop in the bed with you if you give her a ride if yeah. You know what I mean. oh, yeah you
0: give her a ride and she'll give you a ride <laughs>
1: yeah. that's right she'll <laughs> pound <laughs> beers and hook you up
0: pound beers and then go to pound town <laughs>
1: uh she's actually got the the remake to haunted or well i don't know if it's a remake it might be like a new production but haunted mansion from disney she's got that coming out in 2023
0: please let this be better Um, than i mean i I, I, my son loves loves the eddie murphy one but i've heard it doesn't really even have anything to do with the haunted mansion
1: you know what's interesting the muppets haunted mansion that's on disney plus is actually not bad
0: i heard i've heard that
1: uh, she's going to be in the Borderlands movie. She's oh. actually playing Tannis in that. Wow. Uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, she was in everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, which is uh, pretty. I mean, she is really frumpy and like looks awful in that movie. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a, a very interesting movie. If you were disappointed with, like I was, with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, watch this movie because it shows you what a true multiverse can actually be like if yeah. they actually put the effort into it.
2: Yeah, that that was. It was actually a pretty good movie.
1: Uh, I enjoyed it. I I thought they did a great job with it. Uh, She was in True Lies. Everybody remembers that scene of her getting stripped teeth in True Lies.
2: (laughs) What? Also, if you want to dress like that, go for it. I'm all about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She uh, also was a little risque looking in uh, Trading Places. She played a hooker in that movie. Dan uh, yeah. Aykroyd got showed to off enjoy her those goods.
2: Yeah, she showed off her titties. She did. She showed her titties in that movie. Uh,
1: she's in Scream Queens. That that Scream Queens to me, it and its sequel. I mean, but the first one for sure. Uh, it's one of the best Ryan Murphy things that that he produced outside of maybe the first couple of seasons of American Horror Story because it is the perfect like combination of comedy and like horror stuff in it. And I mean, like she's she's excellent and it is like the kind of pseudo lesbian dean that's like over the college, but she's not really lesbian because she's like uh she's screwing around with the Chad character in the story and his name's literally Chad and he plays a Chad to the nth degree, but that's kind of the humor of it. Uh, but check out Scream Queens if you're not seen it. I love it. I think it's great. We might actually even cover uh, during uh, if we have time for slasher season because it technically fits. How, yeah, how season. could we not?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: she was in My Girl. Uh, that's childhood trauma uh, <laughs> activated.
0: Emotional damage.
2: <laughs> Emotional damage. <laughs>
0: W- oh, she you never in, look uh, at bees
2: the same way again. Wasn't she in Fish a Fish Called Wanda? Yes. Yes, she was.
1: And
0: didn't she show her titties in that too? No, no. he showed his dick though.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. I don't remember there that. was some full frontal dick in that movie. You probably have emotional damage you don't remember.
1: <laughs> I don't remember much about that movie other than the fact that they had a couple of members from Monty Python in it, and that's about all I remember from it, to it, be honest. It was
2: it was a good movie. I liked it. I don't remember the full frontal, but yeah, it's a it's all about scammers trying to scam each other. Uh,
1: she was in Terror Train, which I may or may not cover in Slasher Season, but good god, that movie fucking sucks. Like she uh, she's one of the few bright spots in it. It has a young uh, was it uh, uh, was it David Copperfield? Was he the the uh, magician that was like in the 90s real big the one that made like the
2: statue right. disappear or whatever no that's david blaine copperfield's back from like the the i want to say back in the day
1: uh uh, well, yeah, whoever it was like, he, he, it's like a young, you know, like magician scene, like in the middle of the movie, but the movie is so stupid. Like it's, it's set on a train. Like the killer keeps changing. It's like set during a new year's or whatever. So the, the killer keeps changing these masks out for like this little masquerade party that they're doing. So they never can figure out who it is. I mean, it's got some decent things, but it's so fucking slow. Like it just like, I it killed me to watch that movie.
0: Sounds like a um, nope for me.
1: Uh, she was in prom night. That's not too bad for its time. Like, it, it, it came out shortly after Halloween, if not like right after. And it's actually a decent slasher for its time. And of course, she's in the Halloween movies. She's in all of the fucking, or I mean, most of them at least, uh, including Halloween Ends that comes up here soon. So, you know, what is she advocating
0: being. for Halloween? And <laughs> I don't mean just the movie, I'm talking about the fucking, like, the actual holiday. She is on TikTok, and she is ripping people's shit about Christmas stuff already. She's like, what the fuck is oh, yeah. Christmas music? I, I give
1: her credit for that. She's like, fucking back off. This is our holiday. Let us have it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to sell some uh, tickets. She, she was even in Halloween 3 with uh, another actor on this list, Tom Atkins, uh, and she did an uncredited voiceover work in that. I didn't know she was in Halloween 3. I knew she was in – I mean, because, you know, she's not uh, – you know her character Laurie Strode's not in that, but apparently she did do some uncredited work in that.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize she was in Halloween three.
1: Um, we got Janet Lee uh, playing Kathy Williams in this movie. Uh, she's actually the real life mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so the the councilwoman that goes around, you know, with the uh, with uh, you know the, her young assistant in this movie is actually Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, who was the original. Uh, scream queen in the psycho the the 1960s psycho yeah, movie that's kind of cool uh she was also in touch of evil the manchurian candidate the 1962 version and she was actually in halloween h20 so she was in another movie with her daughter apparently so there you go <laughs> uh tom atkins uh who plays nick castle in this but not the nick castle who was michael myers in the original <laughs> halloween see you know john carpenter Likes to take his friends' names and put them as characters. Uh, it plays the sailor owner of the Seagrass, a good old boy, and boy, he can pull some ass. Like he, he is—he's just—I uh, mean, he just has to give you a look, and you're ready to go to Pound Town. Apparently, I mean, there you go. <laughs> I sent this meme to Uran,a Like it cracked me up because it had like Michael Myers and he's like complaining to Tom Atkins over the yeah. phone. It's like, they didn't even put me in Halloween three. That was my movie and they wouldn't put me in it. And like and Tom Atkins is responding back. He's like, shut the fuck up. I just banged your sister. Now get the fuck off the phone. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, technically he's true. Or he's telling the truth. I mean, he did bang, you know, Laurie Strode. Uh, in my head canon for this, I mean, can you not see after Laurie Strode, like, got the hell out of, you know, Haddonfield, that she didn't just become like this? I mean, she could have been this character under a different name.
0: Yeah, absolutely, actually.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it, it's, I, I think that's what's happening in this movie, but that's just me. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Tom Atkins is actually in a 2019 movie called Trick. I didn't know he was in, you know, more recent movies. I've not seen him in forever. Uh, he was in Halloween Three: Season of the Witch um, that he filmed after this, and uh, he was in eye of the Creeps*, which I fucking love that movie oh, and yeah, his character movie. in that.
2: He's a badass in that movie.
1: He's a he's a badass in a lot of his movies, to be perfectly honest.
0: Is that his official uh, title slash role?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Tom Atkins badass, especially if you need somebody that's got that's got like that cop like attitude because he plays a lot of cops and stuff um he's in my bloody valentine 3d with our favorite jensen
2: ackles so I there you never go he seen was that. in that i don't remember him in that
0: that's because the hubby was focused on jensen <laughs> really
1: <laughs> who's this good-looking guy from supernatural I don't <laughs> yeah. focus on him exactly
0: what's what supernatural I'm... you've seen almost every episode don't even fucking lie what yep you been, you were there with me. Get the fuck laughing, out of here! Laughing, crying, screaming, telling me how dumb you thought it was, falling asleep.
2: There's no way I watch every single episode. With almost you. every episode, he was no, there. He was there with close. me for almost the whole ride. No, everybody, it went something like this: Can you go watch this shit downstairs? This stuff sucks. And then he would go
0: downstairs and put something <laughs> no. else on because I was watching it in my bed, and I did not fall asleep.
2: Oh <laughs> God, that show
1: was so uh, bad. We have Tom Hackett's playing in Maniac Cop, who uh, he played with Bruce Campbell in that movie. Uh, we have him in Creep Show uh, with Adrian Barbeau, although he's not in any scenes with her. He's actually uncredited because he does the wraparound story. He's the abusive Shitty stepfather dad. Or, yeah. or dad or whatever. And uh, he was in Lethal Weapon, uh, okay. which is a, uh, one of the best buddy cop movies out there. So,
2: what? Who did you play in that movie? I'm trying to think.
1: I. I assume that he just plays like a regular beat cop. That's like in the movie. I mean, cause like I said, he's got that face and that persona that he, he plays a cop in a lot of the stuff he does. Uh, we have John houseman playing Mr. Matchin, Who's the old sea captain. at the beginning in the movie. Who's telling the story of the Elizabeth Dane as it's lost at sea. Um, he's already actually been on this podcast before he was in ghost story. Uh, he was one of the guys who, uh, uh Uh, Was responsible for the murder of the the lady who became the ghost in that movie, and uh, he was in a in a wild ass movie from I believe it's the seventies, maybe early eighties, called Rollerball, which is like a post apocalyptic movie where like you know they where Rollerball actually determines like how wars you know begin and end or something. It's (laughs) did you ever
2: did you ever watch the one that Dean Cain and them did, which was an early rendition? I want to say late nineties. It was him and Wesley Snipes in it. It was like it went, I, I it went for like a made-for-TV almost, but it was designed for a, a theatrical release, I think.
1: Uh, uh-uh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that one. It was
2: back at Dean Cain at the height when he was, being, when he was doing Superman stuff still.
1: Before he uh, uh, changed political parties and then got canceled by everybody. Yep, hey. basically. <laughs> Oh, that's so shitty how they do that. Uh, we have Charles Cyphers playing Dan O'Bannon, uh, who's the weatherman, has the hots for Stevie, and he's uh, apparently a smooth operator because I mean, given his looks, I mean he he's 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 working his way in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he it, spoiler alert, if he wasn't killed by the you know the, and he wasn't stupid enough to go in the fog, he might have he he might have gotten
2: with nope. Stevie Wayne. Not even once. She <laughs> would have seen him be like, "Oh, I don't feel good." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I early? changed my mind. How about you walk into that fog bank over there?
0: <laughs> I'm having a brain fog right now. I don't feel good.
1: I can't see myself <laughs> finishing this date. Uh, he was the he was the sheriff in Halloween. Uh, he was also in Halloween Two. He was in Halloween Kills, uh, and he was also in Escape from New York. So a lot of Carpenter movies. This guy, you know, basically banked his career on work with John Carpenter because when
0: you have Uh, a job with John Carpenter you have a job for life
1: but if you do a good enough job basically I mean especially if your name's uh Kurt Russell you're going to be in a lot of his movies
2: (laughs) yeah Kurt Russell nailed almost every role he ever played for him
1: exactly there's a reason why he kept bringing him back we have James Canning playing Dick Baxter in this, one of the three fishermen on the seagrass when the fog rolls in. He's also the one that's the, the dead body. That one of the, the creepiest scenes in this movie where he gets up off the table while uh, oh, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis's character is like in there, you know, by herself, and Tom Atkins is talking to the corner outside of it or whatever. I mean, he, he's that, you know, particular guy. <laughs> Uh, we have Nancy Loomis playing uh Sandy Fidel, who is uh Kathy's uh, assistant, uh, one of the first to believe that something supernatural is happening. And uh, she was in a ton of Carpenter movies. I saw it on pre 13, she was the original Halloween. She's the one that's smoking a joint with Laurie Strode and who's actually uh Sheriff Beckett's uh, daughter in that one. Uh, she was in Halloween 2, Halloween 3. She came back for that one, played a different character in that. Um, we have Hal Holbrook playing Father Malone, who's the priest, and uh, he kind of discovers the secrets of the town founders. And uh, he's really the, the one that gives the story to the whole movie. I mean, he's, he's the, the backdrop for it, because they don't know what the fuck's going on, and he's the one that kind of you know uh, delivers the information to them. And, of course, he was in Creep Show with Adrian Barbeau. Uh, he played in the 1988 version of the movie Unholy, The Unholy, and uh, it was actually in a, a more recent movie, that the Lincoln movie with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, we have John Goff playing Al Williams, which is Nick's friend, Kathy's husband, and he was on Seagrass the night that the fog rolled in. Uh, he was in a ton of shit back in the day. They Live, uh, excellent movie. Tammy and the T-Rex, horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Had uh, a young Paul Walker in that movie. Like, I mean, and... Uh, um, Oh, what I can't even remember her name. Uh, it's going to kill me. She she was uh, Kathy Ireland. I, I want to oh. say, but that's that's that. I don't I don't think that's. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was her. But anyways, really weird movie. Uh, he was in Maniac Cop, The Night Stalker, Alligator. We've already mentioned, and uh, The Witch Who Came from the Sea. Kind of interesting that he was in this. He made a movie called that. Uh, that one of my favorite like side characters that always pops up in movies from the '80s George Buck Flower, uh, who played Tommy Wallace in this. Uh, he's that uh, fisherman that's also lost at sea whenever they first attack, but. He's that guy that you always that you see in a lot of these movies that you that's always playing like the bum, the the weird redneck. I mean, cause he he's he's in Back to the Future. He's the one that's the bum that's sleeping on the the, the bench every time that Marty pulls up in one of the, you know the time periods. If you know what I'm talking about, um, he was also in uh, 1995 Village of the Dam that Carpenter did. Uh, he was in Carpenter's Starman. He was in Carpenter's They Live. <laughs> Uh, Escape from New York. Uh, he was in Body Bags. He played like the bum in that one. That's kind of like the uh, the one that kind of th- that's the red herring that throws you off the first story in that in that uh, movie. And uh, he was also in Pumpkinhead and, and Puppet Master too. Probably his biggest role out of that bunch was probably in Pumpkinhead. Like he actually played a pretty decent sized role for what he was used to and all that stuff.
2: Well, I, I didn't realize Starman uh, was a John Carpenter movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that it's one of his best, but yeah, it's one of his. It's, it's uh, Jeff Daniels, I believe, is in that one. Um, uh,
2: Jeff Daniels uh, or, Jeff Brid- Jeff or Jeff Jeff Bridges? Daniel- Jeff Bridges.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, he uh, plays the the title Starman or whatever. Kind of got a weird thing where he takes the form of this woman's dead husband whenever he comes to Earth. Yeah, kind of a strange movie. Uh, we have Rob Bolton, who's playing Blake, the lead ghost of vengeful spirit and a member of the leper colony that was, uh, intentionally killed by the town founders. And, uh, Rob Bolton wasn't an actor. He did the makeup for most oh. of, uh, of the movies he was in. He did makeup for legend, uh, that is lost to time. The 1985 movie that we you know, discussed, but it's not out there anymore. Uh, The Thing, Total Recall, Piranha, The Howling, RoboCop. I mean, this guy made some pretty badass uh, prosthetic effects for a lot of movies.
0: Now, we've already talked about how Piranha will be in When Bad Animals Go Bad. But what about the howling? (laughs) Where do werewolves? Is there enough to do a werewolf season? Or do werewolves go with bad animals?
1: I feel like there kinda is. I mean, but the thing is is that there's like three or four good ones and then there's a lot of shit ones. So I don't know if we want to combine that with some other like just make it monster season and just throw it. Uh, I don't know. You
2: should do a werewolf season only.
0: Well, no, because there could be... No, he's right. There could be, like, Frankenstein, because there's several Frankenstein movies. There's several werewolf movies. There's several Dracula movies. It could be, like, Universal Monsters, but not actual, just universal.
2: Yeah, because, like, my favorite werewolf movie is uh, Ginger Snaps. That's probably one of my... That's,
1: That's a really good one. Um. Yeah, but th- that's the thing. There's the Howling. There's American Werewolf in London. There's Ginger Snaps. Uh, if you want to throw in there, um, uh, Dog Soldiers. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good poor. one too. But after that, I mean,
2: uh, there's there, a lot
1: more than that.
0: I mean, we talked about Silver Bullet.
1: Uh, Silver Bullet would be one I would include in that. Yeah.
0: Um. Anyways, we, we got to move on though. I just had to talk about when an- bad animals go bad.
1: Synopsis, and this is going to be a short one. One hundred years after they were intentionally sent to their deaths at sea, the vengeful spirits of a leper colony return to exact their revenge upon the descendants of those that wronged them. A glowing fog moves against the wind. Dark silhouettes tear the living apart with hooks. And Nick Castle bangs Michael Myers'
2: sister. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Come get Damn some. I'm wrong?
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't see. I don't see the the fault there. I, I just don't see anything. <laughs>
1: Um. All right, we're gonna get into this discussing just the the visuals alone. I with I they fucking knocked it out the part with this movie visually to me. I the they they hide the ghost and and show you just enough of them to give you. I mean, let your mind play. You know, like how play them up and and make them more horrific than they are.
0: I absolutely loved it. I thought it looked fucking amazing. Um, and you don't. You're right. You don't get to see you see just enough like for instance when we see the body move it was just enough creep factor to be like oh shit and then it, but it doesn't show it shows it from like afar obviously you see the conversation happening you see this body moving in the background fucking loved it well
2: the, the big thing too is like for 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 a movie to work properly like that where you're unloading all the heavy lifting to the individual to use their imagination it has to be done through good storytelling. If he had did a horrible job of framing out the story and, and telling the story, it wouldn't have worked as good to have the individual carry the load of let their mind run with the imagination of, of what it was. That's a big part of any type of the, doing a horror movie in that aspect where you're not actually seeing the actual the, the ghost themselves and their goriness. You're, you're relying on the individual to carry that load do all the heavy lifting for you, but you got to do it in a good enough story framing or they're willing to do it too.
1: Yeah. You have to have just what you're, yeah, just like you're saying, you have to have the setup to where you get the person's mind, you know, like kind of working and overdrive anyways from the story. They're just like, they're invested in it. And then whenever you cut away, then the mind fills in the gap or whatever to continue the story. But if they're not invested to begin with, they won't make that leap mentally. They won't get there because they're just like, what, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not really following this, but if you're, you know, if you are following it, like your, your brain just fills in the gap, you know, and then it just continues on. But like it, it amps up like so much more than what, you know, like if you don't have the, and I feel like their budget was probably better than some others, but I mean, four million is really still not that much considering, and I mean, even if you count in like inflation and all that, so I mean, they they really did a good job of making it to where you filled in the gaps of like how horrific these things were. That and else. something that don't get credit is the damn fog itself. I mean, oh you know, yeah, I, mean, I was just sitting there thinking about it whenever I was watching this. Like it is, they were sitting there using these machines left and right and wrangling that stuff to get it to make the effects that they wanted. And, I mean, that it's. That There's a lot involved in that that people probably don't give credit to when they're watching it.
0: I think the thing that I like about the fog specifically that I like the most, which probably was the one that looked the least best in terms of the fog, was the fog rolling in with the moon shining over it. It looked a little cartoonish, but if. When you are looking at beach waves and the sun or the sun, excuse me, the moon is shining a specific way. It really does have that blue tinge. It looks almost electric. Um, I thought it I thought it looked really good. It was uh, mesmerizing. It was almost pretty to me.
1: That's something else I think and I agree with you 100% on that. And, and I like the – and something I'm going to throw in there is, like, when he cuts to the scenes of, like, Stevie Wayne, like, looking out on the ocean, like, those scenes are just – I mean, they're just the ocean. But, like, the way he filmed it, like I, – I mean, I don't know how it looked for you all, but, like, I was watching, like, the high-def version of it or whatever, and it just – I mean, it, it, you know, it really added to, you know, like the movie, like seeing that big expanse of the water and like the light, the moonlight shining on the water and her kind of, you know, there and like, you know, right before, you know, shit starts happening inside of the lighthouse or whatever. It's kind of like that. It's a nice visual, like, you know, bit of breath or whatever, right before the shit goes down. You know, it's like you catch your breath a little and then you're right back in it.
0: Yeah, I personally liked. All the all the scenes were because she had a beautiful view where she was from. She was in the lighthouse, which is very popular out here. It's Point Reyes lighthouse. Um, very popular for a lot of schools to go camping there, a lot of history behind it. I sure there's a haunted history somewhere about it, but you that's not the main point of this lighthouse, but anyways, going back to the movie, she had a beautiful view. So even during the day, just random times during the day, she would get up, go look outside. You know, and I'm like, man, how fucking beautiful is that? But even at night when it's supposed to look creepy, I'm like, this looks good. So I loved it. (laughs)
1: And it, it adds an expansiveness to the movie that, that kind of helps too, because it, I mean, visually it expands out the view for the, for the audience. And it kind of like, you know, works in more of the environment to where if you didn't have that and it's just focused on the characters, which can be a good thing. If, if that's what you're going for in a movie, like, you know, like they did with Rosemary's baby, where they focused it so narrowly on Rosemary that it kind of gave you that claustrophobic feeling, but they wanted you, but Carpenter, his intention visually was to open it up so that yeah. you got more of the, the, you know, the nature of the town itself and the, and the, the bay area so that you, uh, you know, got more of, you know, how big of a, you know, threat this was. Because whenever you see this big expanse and then you see the fog covering up all of it, that's, a, I mean, that's a wide, you know, threat area basically whenever it actually does come in.
0: Yeah. Nope. Um, I think he did a good job visually. I mean, everything visually. I mean, we talked about the makeup. We talked about the scenery, uh, the lighting.
1: The the way that... yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. The lighting, the the one scene where Dick Baxter is, you know, like he doesn't realize the two other guys on the seagrass are dead, and he's sitting there, and he's trying to get, like, the generator working, and all of a sudden in the background you see, like, you know, one of the, the ghosts, could be Blake. I don't really, it's hard to tell, but, like, the only way that you really, it's totally, it's really dark, and then you see just a little bit of lighting that, that, you know, blooms out, and then it goes away, and it's just enough to, it, it's like a strobe effect, like a very slow strobe effect where it's, like, getting closer behind him, and he doesn't realize it's there yeah like that sort of stuff like really works
0: nope it does it looked, it looked really good
1: and and the scene at the end of it where blake's like eyes light up red or whatever whenever he's talking to the you know the priest or whatever th- that's really creepy i mean the way that that was done
0: wait what is wait what blake
1: yeah that's like the lead ghost the lead ghost that's okay, okay. i was like wait a him. second
0: yeah. i i didn't realize he had a name and i know you mentioned it already so i apologize people
1: getting yeah, frustrated but just as the his eyes and <laughs> and in... One of the things I liked is whenever he's having that battle with the priest, his eyes are like that stark red. The the, the cross is made out of gold starts you know t- turning that like bright yellow color. Yeah, and like the you know just the, it's like the first time in the movie when you really get like a bit you know, you know outside of the blues and the greens and you know and the white of the the fog or whatever. It's like the first time you really get a splash of color and it really stands out, like almost like a comic book or something.
0: Yeah, no, and it, it was. <laughs> It wasn't too overdone and it didn't look cheap. It's the weirdest thing. It's just not something that I would, I expect, this was my first time watching this, that I, yeah, it was. I have not seen it. I I feel like I've seen it before uh, because there were certain things I remembered, like there was the book that was found in the, um, you know, in the stones and there was the stone falling. I know I've seen that for sure, have seen it. So I'm like, have I seen the rest of this movie? But I don't remember Stevie. So I'm like, okay, maybe I saw bits and pieces of this movie and I just moved on. I don't know.
1: You, you know that guy that was uh, talking to the priest in that st- right before that scene happened. You know, the one that was like, "When you going to pay me?" You know, uh, you know, uh, father or whatever. And he's like, "Well, how about you come in a couple hours later tomorrow yeah. or whatever?" You know, like that was that was John Carpenter. Oh, that's role. so
0: funny. <laughs>
1: um, what do you think, Noah? What do you think of the visuals? Anything stand out to you?
0: Hubby, he wants to know what you thought about the visuals in the film.
2: What I thought about the visuals?
0: Yes. That's what we're talking about right now.
2: You well, it's hard to rate it because you're 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 always looking at the scope from current tech, but for the time it was awesome. Like I thought they did a good job of having the fog as dense as it is, as it was, and being able don't put the camera on me. I'm the producer.
0: Oh, my bad. <laughs>
2: I'm not even dressed like you guys are for it. I'm like, whatever.
0: Oh, okay. Wow, well, we're wearing t-shirts. <laughs>
2: you're, you're there putting makeup on. Let's get honest. I have to. And, and <laughs> I
0: look like a fucking ghost. Anyways,
2: but it, if you look how good the fog was, like, dense wise in the real scenes, they did a good job of making the fog stay dense and float yeah. in each scene. Like, think about how many movies nowadays where they try to roll fog in, and all it, it is, it's just dissipated. It doesn't have that dense, it's, heavy feel look to it.
0: It looks like our fog machine that we have. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, all yeah,
2: patchy. It, it just sprays it. It's barely mist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like the fact that the fog was like. I, I'm curious how they were able to get the effect of that fog being really, really dense, and keeping it like sticking to the ground.
0: Well, and then the, uh, we were talking about the glow. Do you what now? You want this back? Yes. There you go. <laughs>
2: um, going
1: along with what he said earlier, though the the story, like I mean, it's. <clears throat> I love the setup for it because it, right from the get-go, at the beginning of that, beginning of the movie, whenever they have you know uh, Mr. Match and like relaying that ghost story to the kids, it gets you in the vibe instantly of what he wants you to be in for this movie. Like it's it's like okay, calm down for a second, you know, let, sit here and listen to this, and it's like. You know, the, these people died. You know, off the coast of this, a hundred years ago tonight. This is the anniversary, and it's just like you're getting the set. It's like sitting around. I mean, it's it's exactly what it is. But you're, it's like being in a campfire tale or something, and somebody's like telling a ghost story at night or something. Yeah, um, I, the
2: fog got me. It was I was super curious. I wanted to do research to figure out how they were able to get it so dense, and to kind of actually make it work good on all the, the scenes. Because there's so many movies you watch, yeah. like, even to current day, where it's just abysmal the way they pull off the fog. Oh, it's it's ridiculous.
1: I mean, it it, it doesn't look anywhere uh, near, I mean, like, uh, what this did. I mean, this was a true fog bank, like, every time that it showed up. Um also, story wise, that I that I enjoyed about this is uh, the way that they used. Um, I mean, because you kind of had the char- the other characters like Stevie, and, and you know, and then Nick and and uh, Elizabeth or whatever. They're kind of just like bumbling their way through, kind of discovering things as they can. Uh, you know, like you got Nick investigating the the seagrass, and he's got the ties to that, uh, which also ties into Kathy just a little bit. But um, but then you have Stevie, who's like the front line, who's kind of like you know. Uh, I really like her role in that. Cause she's trying to like steer the people away from like the worst areas. Cause she has the best vantage point, but like, they're all kind of just like dealing with the stuff as is. And the only person in the movie that has like any inkling of what is even going on is the priest. And it's because of that journal that's introduced at the beginning of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a neat, like, uh, you know, narrative conceit or whatever to kind of get, you know, the, the background history or whatever to a character. So they can kind of relate to everybody else. Cause they're, they're all just like, what do we do? Like, what the fuck is going on? And like, he's like, Oh, well, I, you know, this journal says, this is what happened. And they, they have to, and they don't get any answers from it. They have to extrapolate. It's like, well, maybe he wants to cross because that was the gold They were supposed, it was made out of the gold that they were supposed to have, you know, uh, paid or whatever to get make their to be members of the town. And, uh, and then, you know, but they also have the whole thing going on about six will die before the night is through. That and, part uh,
2: where she's in the lighthouse and that piece of driftwood starts leaking. And then the, all that weird, creepy stuff comes over the radio. That part was, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's, it's like a precursor it, to what's coming.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it is very creepy. It's uh I mean it, it, it sets up a lot, I mean, of you know, just like the tension that's coming up with it. Um It's just, it's, and the whole thing that he worked in with the Elizabeth Dane or whatever. And then, like, the kid, you know, Stevie's kid finds like the gold piece that turns into the, you know, a plank from that, you know, ship. And then that's what, you know, is inside of her, you know, lighthouse whenever it actually starts all that, you know, weird, like, you know, somebody's talking over the, you know, the the speakers and all that stuff. It's a good tie. I mean, it's a good, like, little creepy thing that he worked into the story, too. Any thoughts? What are your all thoughts? Uh, anything else that you, uh, Urana, that you can think of as far as the story goes?
0: Um, I liked the backstory. Uh, I thought it was cool. I probably would have done the same thing to that. Leaper community. Really? Absolutely. Would have done that. Wow. I would have been one of the six that needed to go.
2: Like a true Catholic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: get away, lepers.
0: Yeah. We don't, can, <laughs> we don't lack your kind. We don't lack your kind in these here parts
3: let's see your beautiful oceanfront you, you property. Know what,
2: the thing I liked most about the movie, I I like revenge in a movie, especially if it's executed good, and I I'd like the end where they came back because they there was still unsettled business yeah. that needed to take place.
0: Well, I mean, he he technically yeah, they, he he signed a contract. He's like, take me, you know. So they did.
2: Yeah, I I
1: like how they 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 set it up where you think for a second it's like that's all they needed was.
0: Uh, oh no, man. Our Wi-Fi sucks. Poor K, though. Oh man. Oh, he's back. There he okay. is.
1: Oh, sorry. I didn't realize that I got booted or whatever. Well, but um, yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just saying that I, I like how they, uh, they, they worked that in with the sixth person or whatever is going to get you know. Uh, is, going, is still going to get claimed. You think that the gold is enough, but you yeah. only had that little extra scene right at the end.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder if they're going to come back in the future again.
2: They did in 2005.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Tom Welling playing a a pussy version of Nick Castle that isn't banging Michael Myers' sister. Um, he <laughs> you is, know what uh, the
2: redeeming quality of that movie is just by looking at the cast? is Selma Blair.
1: Yeah, there was a hot minute there where she was a she she was in some decent stuff.
0: Yeah, um, you know it's funny what you said about uh, Tom Welling is because he's very um, m- very much an advocate for himself of what he wants to portray and what he doesn't want to portray and what he's going to do. So listening to our one of our favorite shows uh, inside of you, uh, he was telling Michael Rosenbaum, yeah, you know. There's times where they told me to take off my shirt, and I was like, why? What What does that bring to the story? You know, what am I doing? If I'm in the locker room and I'm changing, fine, I'll take off my shirt. You know, if I'm, you know, uh, drinking coffee at the beanery, which is the name of their cafe, and you want me to be shirtless, he's like, what the fuck am I doing that for? I'm not going to do it. So I wonder if that's how he was on the set of the 2005 film where he's like, mm, I don't want to be the, the hot guy that's just banging chicks, you know?
2: But that's what he was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know. It, it, I'm just wondering if that he's not that type of actor. So I'm like, did, were they just Hold like on. okay? Pump like
2: the breaks. Hold on. What do actors do? They act. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, I'm what I'm getting at is I'm wondering if he did, if he actually said no, and they said, well, we want you anyways, because he was big at the time, or if that's just how it was already written.
2: I I just laugh when I hear actors like. That's not me. It's like, motherfucker, this character is not you. You're pretending to be someone else. What are we talking about?
0: Uh, he apparently had enough pull in a fucking 15-year-long series.
2: I know, but do you understand the insanity? Your job is to pretend to be somebody you're not. Mm,
0: he, didn't, he didn't want to do so it. So when like, I hear
2: actors say, I have standards, it's like, no, you don't.
0: And that's fine because if he didn't want it, they didn't have to pick him. They could have picked another actor and said, well, fuck you. And he knew that. So.
2: And maybe they should have because the trailer looked abysmal.
0: <laughs> he should have took his shirt off is what my husband's <laughs> saying. Really? He would have liked it better. <clears throat> I,
1: I just thought about something with a story that, that, that just came to me uh, that I loved about this movie. There's the scene where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom At- or, you know, Atkins is, is in the boat, the seagrass after they, you know, discovered that it's just out there floating and they, they realize had all this damage. It's like, you know, uh, that looks like it's been underwater for ages and, and, Tom Atkins, like in the middle of that, tells her that story about how his father, uh, who was a fisherman too, once came upon like a ship similar to that, and like there was and like there was nobody on the ship; it was completely empty, uh, you know, still steaming the you know the drink their coffee, and all there was was like there was a, a gold piece that was like left on the boat or whatever, like an old bloom. and like that whole scene. Just, it's so creepy the way that, like, I mean, he's telling it and the way it focuses in on him. That's just
2: something else I thought about. Yeah, and then when he came home, what did it turn into, he said?
1: (sighs) What did he say that it turned into? Do you remember, like, what it was?
0: I don't remember. Let me see if I can find it on Google.
2: Look at that, and he didn't even have to take his shirt off. He was that good of an actor. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wasn't he partially naked with Jamie Lee Curtis in the part of the?
2: He's wearing a wife beater.
0: Oh, okay.
2: He's just fitting the character.
0: Okay, they... at...
2: Didn't he say something about how it like disappeared or whatever? Like, or it,
1: it, it, it wasn't into there, Like when his
2: dad, it it turned into something else, is what he said. Just like that, mm-hmm. that original oh. gold coin turning into that piece of from the 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 Dane.
0: Uh, well, it cuts off what it said, uh, gold coin in the surf that strangely turns into a plank of wood. No, that's,
2: that's what the kid, found. that's what
0: the kid found. Yeah. But it doesn't say,
2: why am I having such a brain fart over that?
0: Yeah. Anyways.
2: You know what got me? It was thinking about the kid that was running around the beach and it's like, that is such a nail, nail to the era where kids couldn't just go do stuff like that and no one thought twice about it.
1: Oh, yeah, if uh, Stevie Wayne was, like, a a mom, like, in today's culture, like, she she would have, like, three or four people, like, you know, on him at any given time, <laughs> or she would just up and, you know, like, leave the lighthouse itself just to go, I mean, she's, like, being a helicopter mom or something, like, yeah. they, they that wouldn't be a thing.
2: Put your trucker on you, so I know you're at.
0: Yeah, uh, I do know that that beach <laughs> is one of the beaches where uh, they, we have those, I forget what they're called, but they're just waves that just randomly come up, and they suck you into the ocean, and. Fucking, yeah. we'll find your body when we find it.
2: Was it Riptide? Yeah, yeah, Riptide. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it's insane. And that now, um, now there's signs everywhere, obviously, because so many fucking people have died, and people still, every year, still dying from it. That you just because it's the ocean's so calm, and then all of a sudden you're fucking gone.
1: What do you all think about the acting of the movie? I, I feel like most of it's serviceable. I don't think that any of it necessarily stands out as, like, the best I've ever seen. But it, it all adds, like, collectively it adds to where it get, it just it, it, it's what it needs for the movie.
0: Uh, it is what it needs and nothing more. Um, no. It, you, to you me, know, it's okay.
2: I think it's better than okay because you got to realize this movie isn't predicated on the special effects. It's predicated on the characters carrying the story. Mm-hmm. So the characters are the ones that, that sell you to get you to do the heavy lifting because it, it's not visually over the top. So if you do it through that lens, the acting is actually really good.
1: The one thing I'll give you, Noah, is the fact that when the the actors need to be scared or concerned, they all sell it. Like, you know, Jamie Lee, you know, Tom Atkins, and that scene where he's talking about his dad, you know, discovering it. Like, you can tell in his face that he's haunted by the story itself and what he's seeing. Like, he's really concerned. And then, of course, Adrian Barbeau. Like, I mean, she's totally selling the fact that she's like concerned for the town, like oh, her yeah. son at that one, she's like, "Will somebody get to my son. Well, you know, like when she's screaming out and, you know, and all that, it's just that at times, I mean, I've, I mean, it, it's, there's no bad acting, but there's times where I'm just like, it, there's some of it just kind of does what it needs to do to get like to the next scene or whatever, like Hal Holbrook, like he, he's not, he's not bad, but like a lot of his is like, uh, just, uh, you know, like, uh, just the work that needs to be done to, to, you know, to add to the plot and the the backstory. It's and it's not like, you know, anything uh, that I, I watch and I'm just like in awe of. I mean, they they all do their part, but it's not like anything like super, you know, standout in that way.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, again, once I what I said is, it, it the acting was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't bad acting. It just, I don't know, I don't know how else to put it. Just okay to me.
1: I mean, even the kid, I mean, kid actors are notorious. I mean, he, he, he did enough. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you know, and, and he, then the scenes where he needed to look concerned or frightened, he did what he was supposed to do in them.
0: Yes. We'll give them that.
1: Uh, And we already talked about music, the music. God, this has got a good soundtrack to it. It really does.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, From the music played on the radio station to the actual originals that John Carpenter himself created.
1: It's yep. it's just I mean it, it it's he knows how to I mean he you can tell he's a he's a musician in his heart even uh, even if if you remove all the directing the writing and everything else that he's creatively good at I mean he's good at making music and I mean he actually does that now with his sons. Does
0: so. it lower the budget of the film that he's actually composing the music, or does it increase his pay?
1: I, I would say it's both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and well, I'll get to it, but I mean, like, there's a reason why they made her like a, a, a you know, a, a DJ for a like jazz thing instead of like what they wanted, but I'll get to that here in the trivia here in a second. Is there anything else y'all want to discuss about the movie before we go to trivia?
2: No. You, you know what I was oh, thinking sorry. when you, when you were talking about the soundtrack, like there, there's one movie consistently the soundtrack and I'm, I'm curious if he did the soundtrack, if he was the, the main proprietor of the soundtrack. Is the thing the way that soundtrack's set up?
0: I mean, it's John Carpenter.
1: I've not researched it, but I guarantee you had some hand in it. Like, he, he always tries to have, you know, like, cause he just loves that part of it too. Like, after he's done with everything else in the movie side of it, he, he loves going and actually doing the music for stuff. He's actually the best part of that new Firestarter remake. Like, he, the music that he put to that, the soundtrack is actually really good. Yeah, I like I'm, moves, I'm, you know, just I'm just whatever. thinking of
2: the, the thing and the pacing that, that that music brings to it. It's like it, it, at every turn, it's an ominous feel. It, it presents a very different experience. Like I couldn't imagine what it would be like without that soundtrack.
0: Uh, yes, John Carpenter was one of the music composers for the thing. Um, let me see. It, there was another person involved, but I don't know. I don't I, have all the details. I got a
2: feeling he has a heavy hand in it.
0: Uh, yeah, John
1: I'll Carpenter. Just la- I'll just say that I, I mean, I've, I I collect a few like horror themed song or you know like albums or whatever that they're like the or- orchestral music or whatever to the, the uh, to the movies and the ones that I collect are the ones that I enjoy the music from the most a lot you know Danny Elfman of course Beetlejuice that sort of thing but Carpenter like there is several of his that I've got you know just because the, I mean like uh, you know, uh, escape from New York, like awesome, you know, synth synthesizer type music in that the original Halloween, you know, is, I mean, it's, it's classic, you know? And then of course this movie, like he, he's consistently good with his composing work.
2: Yeah. I would, I would always, I'm always curious. what it would be like to watch a movie? I like a lot and remove the soundtrack from it and see what the experience would be.
1: I, uh, I was actually able to do that whenever we covered um, the uh, the frighteners because they have an option where they show like a they're talking about like how the music and the sound effects both add to a movie and they show you a scene from the beginning of the movie where they cut Danny Elfman's soundtrack out and they show you just the scene with the the sound effects doesn't have nearly the kind of urgency and drama and then they play it again where it takes out the gunshots and you know the other stuff that's actual sound effects with just his music that looks kind of goofy because your mind's just like, okay, where's the other sounds at? And then when they play all together, you, it makes you appreciate the fact that all this stuff's working in tandem. Yeah. Kind of, you know, adds to the experience.
0: Um, okay. So on the thing, Ennio Mor- Morricone, I don't know if that, I'm pronouncing it properly, was the composer, yeah. but uh, John Carpenter kind of forced him to compose as John Carpenter would. And this guy's like, if you, know how to compose your own music why are you making me do it the way you would do it it's basically in the style of john carpenter
2: because i don't want to do the job i want you to do the job that i want well shut up and do it yeah and he was like well he really appreciated this
0: guy's music and it had a kind of european feel that he wanted and so he was like i want you to do this but i want you to stylize it as i would do it you know
1: the thing is, though, if you if you hire uh, Ennio Marconi or whatever, who was, like, responsible for some of the greatest, we- you know, spaghetti western soundtracks in history, mm-hmm. I mean, all those, like, old, you know, like the fistful of dollars, you know, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you get that guy to in your movie, uh, it, it's kind of weird to demand him to take his own style that he's known for and then turn around and do, like, another one because, like, that's what he's hired for is that style, yeah. you know.
0: It's insane. I so- mean,
1: uh, 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 he was hired by uh, Tarantino to do like the score for the Hateful Eight because Tarantino wanted that that old spaghetti western, you know, vibe in his movie.
0: Shocker. <laughs>
1: um, anything else about the movie before we go on to trivia?
0: Now let's move on to trivia.
1: Although this was essentially a low-budget, independent movie, John Carpenter chose to shoot the movie in anamorphic widescreen Panavision. This decision gave the movie a grander feel to the viewer so it doesn't feel like a low-budget horror movie. That goes back to what I was talking about with those big vistas yeah. that he, you know, he shows. I mean, and it does. It, it makes the movie look more epic than it would otherwise.
0: Well, it makes it look like th- that's a fucking fancy-ass area, you know? So <laughs> it looks like money. Literally just on screen. (laughs) Looks like I can't afford to be there.
1: Uh, Adrian Barbeau's character was conceived as a female version of Clint Eastwood's character in Play Misty for me, who was also a late night DJ on a San Francisco Bay Area area Coastal Town's radio station. (laughs) Um, uh, Barbeau uh, patented her voice after Allison Steele, who was a female disc jockey from the 60s, who was known as the Nightbird.
0: Uh, Wow.
1: Uh, jazz music was used for Stevie Wayne's radio station because it was affordable, more affordable than rock music. Uh, he really wanted her to be a rock DJ, but they could not with the budget have the visual effects and everything else. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. What's cheap. And then they were like, jazz. And he's like, yeah, let's go with it. Oh
0: yeah. Especially the, the time era jazz that they were playing was the fucking 1940s.
2: It worked. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it.
0: And like I said, that, that is really what, like, what did we have? Delilah. Was what we had out here. Now, she played uh, soft rock on her stations back in the day. Uh,
2: a lot of Sade uh, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so she had some jazz, but soft rock, too. And, uh, and, but in the Bay Area towns, the ch- channels you get like that are just like what you get in this movie. So it was on our end from California, it, it was sold
1: um i'm glad that it i mean i feel like it works for the movie because oh, yeah. it's it's one of, it's one of those things where it's like she's running just a local radio station you figure that most of her job anyway is just to relay the news like you know other stuff that they're they're more worried about and like if they she plays a little bit of music in the background whatever you know it's like not like you know people are depending on her yeah uh, for the music portion at least and uh, you know and then I mean, if Carpenter had to skimp on something, that, that's a perfect place to skimp. He knew he knew where he needed to put his budget at.
0: Yeah. Um, how would you guys have felt if it was a rock station? With her soft voice and soothing voice? Not like
2: that, but it wouldn't. It, okay, this is a problem. Is Rock would not fit that town. I yeah. Think, I think that jazz that's true. feel.
1: It was laid back, yeah.
2: Yeah. It, I think it did a better job of modeling onto the town.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's a, it, it might it, be
1: one of those. It might be one of those happy circumstances where the budget creatively worked him into an angle to where it actually fit the movie better. Because that happens all the time. Like you know, they have these ambitions, and then they have to scale them down, and then it makes them get creative, and then what they work into it actually fits better for the the theme that they're going after, anyways.
0: Yeah, I I, I think it worked great.
1: Uh, The lead ghost, Blake, was played by makeup art specialist Rob Bolton, like I said. When Bolton asked for the job, Carpenter asked him to stand up. Bolton then expected Carpenter to say, and get out. (laughs) And when Carpenter saw that Bolton was a large man at 6'5", which is what he needed for the character Blake, he's like, all right, you're
0: hired. That is so funny. How sad this guy's like needs a job. He thinks he's immediately getting told, get the fuck out.
2: Stand up. Now fucking leave. <laughs> now get
1: out. <laughs> hey, Carpenter. I mean, for his genius, he is known to be hard to work with. Let's just put it out there. I mean, the man, cause he knows what he wants. And if you stand in the way of that, he, he, he's not above telling you to fuck off. I mean, he is definitely one of those people.
0: So wait, Bowden wanted to be an actor in this movie or he wanted to do makeup.
1: He wanted to be that character in this movie, like, yeah, and then he figured that for him being like, you know, so bold as to say that he wanted the part, even though he was the makeup guy, that Carpenter was like, all right, get the fuck out of here.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's kind of cool. I like that.
1: Uh, Carpenter has stated uh, two inspirations for the film, both of which were related to Great Britain. The first was the British film, The Crawling Eye, 1958, which dealt with monsters hiding in the clouds. He also stated that he and his co-writer producer Deborah Hill were inspired by a trip to Stonehenge, the ancient monument in southwest England, which was covered in fog during their visit. So, that's Was this cool, while you know. they were
0: married or while he uh, was married to Stevie?
1: It's possible that it was whenever they were still together. <laughs> I mean, they might not have been, you know, like I w- they would have had to have been together. I mean, from take a trip. So, yeah.
0: A work uh, trip.
1: Although this movie... <laughs> Although this movie costs just over a million dollars to make, uh, Alvco uh, uh, Embassy spent three times that amount on advertising. So the four million now, this makes it even worse. I mean, you got to give this movie fucking credit for what it accomplished. He only used a million dollars to actually make the movie. The other three million that goes into that four million dollar budget was fucking advertising. Damn. so uh, and that included tv ads radio ads print ads and the studio even installed fog machines that cost the 350 dollars each in the lobbies of select cinemas where the movie was showing now that'd be fucking cool that would be awesome
0: yeah (laughs) you can't do that shit now because you're gonna have the people that are like tripping and falling and like oh i hurt myself
1: yeah but you know we've said this before that uh you know, if and, and after my rant about the movies, if they want to get people back in the movie theaters, it, it needs to be an experience. They yes. need to go back to doing something to make it like stand out.
0: Yeah, have skeletons flying over your head or fucking, I don't know, even fucking people spooking you randomly, you know.
1: Yeah, just anything. Like, if you just had, like, a guy who was, like, in a cheesy suit that kind of matched with something on the screen and he just randomly came in there and just popped up in the crowd and, like, people started talking about it, just anything like that would be, like, you know, it would add to the, just the experience of being in the theater. It would give you, uh, give you a reason to go versus just, like, well, I can watch this shit at the house. And you know?
0: only at random theaters, though. Like just written, not yeah, even yeah. like the biggest theaters, you know. It's you definitely got to go to the smaller ones, make it happen. The only problem is, is you get the over dramatic teenagers that are just like, Eah! and that's all you hear is squealing. And then it's like, okay, he's fucking gone. Shut up.
1: So imagine you're watching Halloween ends and some some big guy walks in dressed as Michael Myers like ha- part way through the film and just starts like walking through the audience like I mean I I think that'd be great I'm oh, just throwing that out I there could,
2: you can could even one up that and have when the audience members in on it and that dude just stabs that person in the chest no oh, you yeah, okay
0: yeah. yes that'd be fucking awesome but you're gonna have the people that panic leave. I mean mass mass hysteria guys we've been a part of that before like
1: cats and dogs living together yeah we've heard <laughs> it all before from Bill Murray we know what you're talking about
0: <laughs> It would be so fun to see but yeah like I don't know like somebody's going to fucking panic over that shit for real
1: The funny thing about Av- Embassy, the one that like was the the one that that produced or sent this out, they were the same company that screwed over Frank Lelogia who made Lady and White so bad that that's why he you know uh, ended up independently funding Lady and White whenever that came out. So it's one of those. At least Carpenter got what he needed out of these people. If they screwed over you know Lelogia a little bit later on. Um, the actress Adrian Barbeau and director John Carpenter were married at the time this movie was made and released. He wrote the role of Stevie Wayne for her specifically. Like wow. so there was no other, you know, person in mind for the role.
0: That's love. That's
1: a pretty good way to get a piece of ass. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, like it's <laughs> I mean, it, it works for Rob Zombie. We know that he does that. And
0: they're already <laughs> getting ass from them. They're married.
1: Uh, so they're yeah, probably but not I mean like <laughs> You still got to, I mean, I, you know, there was a lot of married men out there that argue you still got to do something. I mean, cause it, it gets to the point where it's like, I got a headache. The, the fog is, I've got this brain the fog bug. going on. And yeah. I, you, you don't look like a guy from that, that's speaking to me over the, the radio.
0: You want your ladies to be whores still? Well, we don't have sex for free. <laughs>
1: uh father malone's assist at the movies beginning bennett was john carpenter but uncredited i just think that's if you watch it it's hilarious looking at me he he looks like such a hippie at this point
0: yeah whatever what what was the meaning of that to like the show that the father was being greedy i was trying to interpret it
1: yeah, it, it was. I okay. Think that, I mean, it's it's in a roundabout way showing that, like, he's not that far removed from his, like, great ancestor, you know, that, you know, he talks about how he was, like, stingy and stuff and kind of, but, like, he's literally telling this guy, it's like, I know you had you work a few hours over, but I'm not going to pay any fucking thing extra. Just come in a few hours later because I'm a cheapskate, you know? Yeah,
0: well, at this point, does the father, like, do, is he, does he know about the gold already? Is he hiding? Oh, he has he- no idea. Okay, okay. I wasn't 100 on that, so, all right.
1: Uh, at one point during the movie, Tom Atkins' character mentions Bodega Bay. That was uh, that is the scene of another horror movie, The Birds. Since we've already talked about that, mm-hmm. uh, and when Tippi Hedren's character pulls in the town, all hell breaks loose. In this movie, when Jamie Lee Curtis' character pulls in the town, all hell breaks loose.
0: Fucking women and their periods. <laughs> <laughs> they can smell it.
1: Really? Uh, it's like it's like Komodo dragon. It's, it's just gonna <laughs> uh, don't don't get near them whenever you you're on the uh, on that time of the month. So. Um, after a rough cut of this movie Appeared to be too short for a theatrical release re- Clocking in about 80 to 85 minutes Which is too short for a, You know, to get in the theater John Carpenter had to add more scenes And amongst those is that prologue With the, you know, uh, matching, telling the ghost story So oh, Actually, that's another thing that worked in his favor Because I, I think that scene's great As an intro to the movie And that was something he had to add Just to get it in the movie theaters
0: It's a good setup for sure
1: uh, House, speaking of that houseman's opening monologue, which is supposed to transpire over the course of five minutes from 1155 to 12, uh, midnight is in fact only two minutes and 25 seconds long from the moment he mentions it's 1155 to the moment the bell rings in the background signaling midnight. So there's a little bit of a narrative cheat there, but it works.
0: Oh my God.
1: Uh, houseman worked only for one day of this movie and was given a special appearance credit. His scene at the campfire was shot on a set rather than outside <laughs> And uh, he could, his name, Matchin, could be a reference to Arthur Matchin, a Welsh actor and mystic in the 1890s and early 20th century, who was known for his uh, influential supernatural fantasy and horror fiction. Nice. Which I think he wrote The Great God Pan, which is a very creepy story that was kind of worked in the Cthulhu mythos later. Um, the lighthouse used in the Point Reyes lot is the Point Reyes Lighthouse in Marin County, California. Stevie Ray can be uh, seen climbing down exactly 313 steps to the Point Reyes Lighthouse. Uh, the stairs go down 900 feet, the equivalent of 25 stories and the stairs, uh, sometimes close uh, as the winds can reach 40 miles per hour through there. It's kind of crazy.
0: It's, it's insane. And I've actually, when I was in sixth grade, uh, not very long ago, <laughs> Uh we were we were not allowed to go up the stairs because it was too windy that day and uh they're like yeah you can fly off and it's like well that's fucking wonderful <laughs> oh, <geez>. yeah <laughs> Uh, when Father Malone first
1: discovers the journal, he glances at the title page and flips to an open page of text that is partially blocked and seen only for a split second. The visible portion reads with spelling errors something, something, my college education to work writing dumb shit in this f- and fucking movie props being one. It's time to bring in the words guide or the big tits, tattoos, and shaved beavers. I know horny blocks uh, uh, would go blocked, some of that. So whoever had to write, <laughs> write the journal, <laughs> they had a good time writing that, that little bit.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> that
2: made it into the movie? It did <laughs> for like a split second. <laughs> so if you pause it, you can actually make it out?
1: That's Apparently somebody did because they put it in the, these uh, IMDb trivia notes. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, The journal's last page that Father Malone reads when he finds it in the wall says, April 30th, midnight till one belongs to the dead. Good Lord deliver us. It's a reference to uh, Walpurgis night, a pagan feast, which happens in the night between April 30th and May 1st. It's pretty cool. Um, In the Blu-ray audio commentary for the movie, John Carpenter noted that the deliberate wrecking of the clipper ship and its subsequent uh, plundering was based on an actual event, the wrecking of the frolic that took place in the 19th century near Goleta, California.
0: Dang, California has a so, lot of fucking history.
2: It does. There's a lot of <laughs> missions here and a lot of
1: everything. Uh, the role of Father Malone was originally offered to Sir Christopher Lee, uh, who believed uh, who's going to be on our next episode, by the way, uh, who believed that the character to be the father of the com- uh, who's believed to be the the father of the community. However, Lee proved unavailable, and how Holbrook was eventually cast.
0: I think it worked.
1: Uh, which, yeah, he he was good for the part. Tom Atkins' character's name is Nick Castle, which is what I said was the original actor who played Michael Myers. Uh, John Carpenter does this a lot uh, with uh, Nick Castle being one of them. Dan O'Bannon, which is Carpenter's uh, Dark Star co-writer. Tommy Wallace was named after uh, Carpenter's real-life collaborators from the previous movies. or was also another one. And uh, Mrs. Cobritz was named after Richard Cobritz, Carpenter's producer on Someone's Watching Me that came out in 78. So he he likes to take his friends and put their names as characters. That's kind of cool. Let's see. The character uh, played by Carpenter in the movie, Bennett, is named after Carpenter's best friend, Bennett Tramer. Uh, They went to University of Southern California together, and Carpenter used the character named Ben Tramer in Halloween also as a potential love interest for Laurie Strode. So, his friend is, uh, gets a little name call out in some of these movies. Yeah. Uh, while driving the lighthouse, Stevie flips around the radio dial in a broadcast confirming a search for the ship the seagrass is heard. The voice mentions a sweep south of Waitley Point and Arkham Reef. Both Arkham Reef and the name Waitley are references to Ryder's H.P. Lovecraft as he used uh, both repeatedly in his stories. And Carpenter is an admitted huge fan of Lovecraft.
0: Kind of cool, especially since they're out at sea and. Of lovecraft's creatures i mean come on
1: <laughs> yeah they're the, the you can tell the lovecraftian i mean even the, the 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 characters although they don't have the the visual effect on them are kind of like barnacled like you know like sea creatures or, or like the, the 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 ghosts are are anyways and that kind of reminds me of like you know uh, uh uh, the Inmouth story or whatever that, you know, where people are turning like these, like, kind of sea monsters or whatever slowly. So, I mean, it, it, it's it got some definitely H.P. Lovecraft vibes that way. Uh, although she was known for her television roles, this was the debut film for uh, Adrienne Barbeau, as I said earlier. Uh, Carpenter originally intended to secure this movie with a PG rating uh, <laughs> through the absence of blood, but it ended up with an R rating anyways.
0: So, so we...
1: <laughs> you
2: should have just put the blood in it.
1: How, how many did. times have we said that on this podcast, though? It's ever fucking like the MPAA, which they're now they're just the MPA because they took the America out of it. It used to be like the Movie Picture Association of America. They they changed it towards just the Movie Picture Association, so so they could be more global. Oh, why okay. take that to be?
2: But why even go for a rating? Who cares? Do you have to have a rating?
1: Well, back in the day, it was like the kiss of death if you got like an R rating because you could, like, it barely played in theaters. Like, they were like, I mean, especially in like, you know, Reagan's like America or whatever. It was like, you, they censored things, you know, so much that they wouldn't let it play in a lot of places. So, and even today, they still try to avoid the R if they can because it, you know, it limits the audience that'll come see it. And that's what they're mainly going for.
2: But does it though?
1: It does whenever you're trying to get, like, families involved. Now, like, a lot of people, like, I actually will go more toward a movie that's rated yes. R. But that's, you know, but, I mean, I, but there are a lot of people out there. I mean, there's frigging people talking about their fucking passing out, throwing up, and shitting themselves, like, literally because of Terrifier 2 that just oh, came yeah. out in theaters. And I'm like, fuck you all. Like, seriously, like, you know, what? have you never seen a horror movie before? <laughs> I just don't get it at all. Um, but anyways, he he didn't get the PG rating, but the movie is fairly bloodless. If you watch it, it really is. It like is it yeah.
2: Before,
0: kind of expected more blood, as you know. I don't.
2: I'm curious about what about the movie got it rated R.
1: The only thing I can think of is the fact that they're getting killed with hooks. Like, there's the one scene where it's implied that the one guy, uh, you know, Dick Baxter's character, you know, the character Dick Baxter gets like the two like you know knives through the eyes or whatever. I mean, it, I think it's stuff like that, which is totally stupid. But I mean, because it's all implied and it doesn't actually show it, but that's how the MPAA rolls. It, like, it's We were talking about it for uh, the frighteners. We were talking about it for the frighteners, and uh, he was going for a PG thirteen or a PG for that one. Um, Peter Jackson was, and he still ended up with an R, and it had nothing to do with blood. It happened to do with the fact that he had a scene where Jake Busey, or I don't think it was Jake Busey, it was actually uh, 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 D. Wallace shot through like one of the doors with a shotgun, and because there was bullet holes in the door, bullet holes, not like the shooting through the door, but the holes themselves were what gave him an R rating. And he said once he realized that that's what they were going to buck on, like he got so pissed, he's like I should have made this whole movie just way much gorier than yeah. what it was. Not
0: <laughs> not anything to do with the ghost fucking scene, you know? No, yeah, it was had well, bullet, to do with any of that. Bullets in the door.
1: <laughs> I mean, they have some stupid ass things that they grade on. Like I don't I don't even know. Like I mean, they come up with some of this shit. <laughs> uh, this movie was shot in just 30 days. That
0: Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a month? One month. And they got this movie, which is uh, damn near perfect. Like, I mean, like, this puts the shame all kinds of movies, like right now, like that, that's came out <laughs> that were filmed for a lot longer and for bigger budgets. Um, with the opening credits roll, just as Tom Credit's credit appear, or Tom Atkins' credit appears, plays over an eerie shot of Antonio Bay at night with a car uh, with. Uh, car headlights scene driving through a coastal road in the distance at a Q and a session director John Carpenter said this is Tom Atkins character driving along the road he later picked uh, Jamie Lee Curtis up on so oh. it's kind of like even hitting you know so you're seeing him driving through the same road that he ends up being with her
0: okay that's
1: kind of cool uh, the name of the coroner, played by Darwin Jostin, uh, Dr. Fibes, is a reference to Dr. Anton Fibes, the character played by Vince, Vincent Price in the horror movie, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, and its sequel, Dr. Fibes Rises Again. Wow. Kind of cool. Uh, Adrian Barbeau and Jamie Lee Curtis, the leads, do not appear together in any scenes oh, whatsoever. Yeah. They don't. And uh, when Janet Lee is standing just outside the church door, there's an arc of fog at the top of the image. This was not intentional, but actual fog on the lens. Wow. <laughs> uh, the quote, like an albatross around the neck, that can be heard—that's what you were talking about, Noah. That creepy stuff that's playing on the radio uh, uh, is actually a, um, um, a quote from the rhyme of the ancient mariner, created by Samuel uh, Taylor Coleridge. So, I mean, that's kind of neat that they, you know, tied in like this old kind of like sea related thing or whatever, and and, and had it so creepy and like tied into that. Um, In the 1990s, John Carpenter mentioned during an interview with Fangoria that uh, he was interested in producing an anthology series based on the fog. However, the proposed series would at first not have featured any of the characters uh, from Antonio Bay. Instead, the, the, the titular fog itself would have been served as a catalyst for other supernatural stories elsewhere he also implied that as the series progressed connective ties to his 1980 film would become more apparent however that series never materialized and we got the fucking remake instead fuck this this is why this is the worst timeline
0: oh man <laughs>
1: Like, I mean, can you imagine like an anthology series like based on the fog where it's just the fog itself and it's like it leads into all these other haunted like communities or towns or whatever that were like different stories, but it's all, but they all link back somehow to this first movie. That would have been cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, Despite Tom Welling's cast as Nick Castle, the movie is atrocious. It was, however, produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill uh, makers the original movie. So Wow. uh, Yeah.
0: I wonder what went wrong there.
1: Well, first of all, I think they both took just a paycheck, Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And I think that the studio kind of moved in there and started calling shots. And I think they both just kind of like, whatever, you know, whatever you're going to make, just do it. You know, that sort of thing.
0: I have never even heard Tom Welling mention this film, of all the films he's mentioned. I mean, he talks Uh, about cheaper by the dozen a lot, you know, but (laughs) damn.
1: Uh, as Stevie calls out the progress of the fog through the town over the radio, she mentions Russellville road and Smallhouse road. These are two prominent streets in Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky, where carpenter spent time growing up.
0: Oh, well, would you look at that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went to Western Kentucky university here before he went out to California and got all fancy with his, uh, <laughs> you know, art, art films and all that stuff. So oh,
0: U- USC will change you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and actually, uh, I think he mentioned Smith's Grove in Halloween. And that's actually, I've been to Smith's Grove. Like it's just outside of Bowling Green. So that's another town that he worked in one of his movies.
0: That's funny. Bowling uh, Green is a ghetto ass neighborhood in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the movie's opening prologue was a quote from the final two lines of Edgar Allan Poe's uh, poem, a dream within a dream. It states it's all that we see or seem, but a dream within a dream. Um, so it kind of ties into the, you know, kind of the ephemeral nature of the fog and how it, you know, kind of, you know, kind of carries all this other stuff. Uh, the, the band mentioned on the radio near the movie's beginning is the Coupe de Ville's, which features John, or, uh, director John Carpenter. They actually play a song over the closing credits of Big Trouble in Little China, also directed by Carpenter. So he worked his own band into the movie. That's kind of cool.
2: Big Trouble in Little China was his movie. Yeah. You, i did you didn't not know that. No.
0: surprise <laughs> dude that's
2: one of my favorite movies you
1: when you get to looking at carpenter's movies like he truly is like one of the best directors and gets no credit for half of them wow i mean he he came up with some good ones uh the sword that blake carries is a pattern in 1796 like cavalry saber with an iron scabbard produced between 1796 and 1821 so they they that's kind of a neat like, little tie into the time period that the, the ghost would have been from. Yeah. Uh, the name of the old clipper ship was Elizabeth Dane, uh, which was the names of other boats seen in the picture. And the other names of the boats in the movie were Hyperio and the Lady Laura, and partially obscured, but most telling Halloween. So he named oh a boat God. in the movie Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell was offered a role in this, but he turned it down. And I guarantee you it was probably Nick Castle. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm thinking. Uh, and I don't know what this movie would have been like with Kurt Russell, but it, I mean, I like Tom Atkins, don't get me wrong, but Kurt Russell in that role probably would still it would have been pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about Yeah,
2: he would have been banging Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie.
1: Betraying <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sandy Fidel's actress, Nancy Keys, who was also known at the time in build the movies, Nancy Loomis, uh, having the same last name as the psychiatrist, uh, Sam Loomis, or you know Donald Pleasant's character. Uh, a regular character in the Halloween uh, movies of which Carpenter directed. So just another tie in that he, you know, took people's last names and worked them in his characters. And uh, Carpenter said this movie was him doing an homage to the EC comics and their bizarre ghost stories and grand Guinal, all, uh, you know, basically they're just out there and, and you know, a lot of times Bloody, which, you know, we already said he avoided for this because he was trying to get a rating down. Uh, another superstar horror director, George A. Romero, would help another big release, Creep Show, which was also based on EC Comics. So a lot of our favorite horror directors in the 80s were big-time fans of those comics, and Stephen King was too, and we all know how he is, so... Um, while in the film, the fog is supernatural in origin in reality is quite common. California is known for thick ground fog, known as tool fog, that occurs beneath, beneath 2,000 feet. This type of fog occurs from late fall to early spring. Uh, while visibility uh, varies, it's typically uh, about 600 feet, uh, though it can go down to 10 feet or even zero. Oh yeah! It prevents the,
2: Big it time prevents the sun here. from
1: penetrating and temperatures underneath fog can reach below freezing. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, down here in the valley, man, the fog comes in.
0: Dick. We, It's weird. Well, they, I've sent them video or uh, pictures of the fog out here where it's like you can't see the car in front of you. Yeah, you
2: can't see the car in front of you. <laughs> we just get the
0: weirdest fog, too, that is very thin and misty, and it just sits... It hovers right over the grass. No, no, no. This is a different type of fog. Okay. But like, it's like, what are you? Why are you even here? Fog. It's like it literally just like maybe an inch or two of this misty ass fog that just hovers over the grass for no fucking reason.
2: Yeah, it's wild. Like when I when I was uh, back in the day when I used to work on equipment, we worked up in Colfax. You kind of got to go up the hill. Oh God. So in the morning, it's thick fog, and then you're, and then as soon as you get out of the valley up in the mountains. It's like crystal clear, sunny weather. Yeah. And then you turn around, and you look, and it's just this layer of thick fog. You can't see nothing down into the valley. It's we get some of that we
1: get some of that around here too, but it's a little bit different in this area because I mean, you know, the Smoky Mountains are named for that particular reason because the fog just sits there for like hours, you know, even into like, you know, after the sun has risen and it, it, it takes forever for it to burn it away. And it's just because, I mean, like all the vegetation, all the trees in the area just holds all that moisture, but ours hits around like summertime is whenever it's the worst and it just like, it just kind of sits there and creates like a cloud-like effect, you know, especially in the hills. So that's why they, you know, they're called Smoky Mountains because of that.
0: It got so quiet. (laughs) Awkward silence.
1: I thought I was disconnected to be perfectly honest with you. We were just Um, looking at at each other
0: like, (laughs) Hello. (laughs)
1: The the scene on the docket, Bodega Bay was filmed in a single day. So, I mean, uh, like we said, the, the whole film was in 30 days. So that kind of, you know, really, I mean, they were on a top, you know, time budget on this. Well, Bodega uh, Bay is not sees- very
0: far from Point Reyes either. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when the Andy sees the wood at the beach, the audience can see Goat Rock Beach in the background. This formation, part of Sonoma Coast State Beach, was prominently seen in the background of the final scene of the Goonies, uh, though shot from the other direction.
0: Yeah. Are you there? Can you not hear us?
1: Yeah, I, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, you cut out for a second, though, so I was kind of worried. Oh, okay. Uh, the movie contains three of the most prominent screen queens of cinema, Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Janet Leigh. Uh, by 2020, the restored version of the movie formed part of Avco Embassy's film library owned by Studio Canal. Uh, when gasoline is flowing, oh, this is this is hurts so bad. When oh, gasoline God. is flowing from the gas pump, the sale is four dollars and thirty four cents for eight uh, eight point three gallons. This makes gas about fifty two point three cents per gallon.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and I did see that, and I was like, God. "Fuck it!" I was like, "That is like that's not we can that's not even one gallon of gas in California right now." <laughs>
1: Oh, I just saw that. I was just like, oh, my God. That hurts so much okay. to see how cheap gas was back in the day. So days.
0: the average right now is like out here in California is $5.84 or something like that. No, that, it's almost
2: back yeah. up to 7 It's
0: average. This is the average right now, and it really is. So hold on. So that is a $305 tank of gas with inflation.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, I, it sucks. <laughs> I'm hoping that the, the price goes down eventually, but I don't know. It's, uh, we, we know it's not going to for a bit. Okay. Things have got to change do in we, other areas, but.
0: Do we know if they, like, was this just some prop or was that actual gasoline they were pumping?
1: Back then it was I probably
0: gas. I was thinking. It was it.
1: probably really gas because it's probably cheaper from just to pump it out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the, at the
2: price. Fuck it. Just let it run. It'll dry out.
1: <laughs> uh, two years later, Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau would be cast again in Creep Show, uh, where they played husband and wife, like we said. Uh, the name of the old antique grandfather's diary found inside the wall of the church was the Journal of Father Patrick Malone, 1880. Uh, in the last scene where Stevie is on top of the lighthouse and the fog slowly disappears, the crew realized they would not be able to get the fog to roll out, so they had Adrian Barbeau perform the scene in such a way that the film could be played in reverse. That's a, a good use of the scene. So basically, they, it's like, yeah, this fog's just going to stay around for a bit. So why don't you act the opposite, you know, and, and we'll kind of go from there and just play it backwards whenever the movie plays.
0: What the fuck?
1: <laughs> I mean, you got all those fog machines rolling that much fog out to get it that dense. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be able to corral it and get it to go away. Well, not only soon. that,
0: if she's really like, on, I don't know if she was on top of a prop or if she really was on top of Point Reyes, which is fucking scary as it is. That place is known for its fucking fog. If it's not foggy over there, it's <laughs> awkward, so
1: Yeah, I don't I, all, I assume that they film that on like a sound stage, but uh, I don't have that information to know if that's true or not uh extensive reshoots were done at the first screening when director and studio executives decided the movie wasn't scary enough additional scenes shot include close-ups of death scenes specifically stab wounds uh the scene with jamie lee curtis and the walking corpse in the morgue and the finale with adrian Barbo on top of the lighthouse i normally don't agree with studio execs but those scenes fucking rock so like yeah, usually they they, put them in there
0: usually they do the opposite and make it less scary yeah.
1: Yeah, they're like, Yeah, but they punched this one up and I'm glad that they did it. Yeah. Adrienne Barbeau was uh, has one scene with her son and a climactic showdown with two of the ghosts. Other than that, all of her scenes were by herself with no direct on screen interaction with any other character. Yeah, I will give her credit for acting. If yeah. she was by herself and having to act, that's pretty hard to do.
0: Yeah, just talking to people on the phone or I mean, literally that's where all the interaction came from, and then cutscenes
1: so i i kind of retract what i said about the acting i'll give it to adrian barbeau given the fact she had nobody else to, to bounce off of in yeah. the most of those scenes
0: i mean she was one of the better actresses uh, in, the fi-
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the final scene at the church a wall behind andy is a brick inscribed h hawks this is a reference to john carpenter's favorite director howard hawks <laughs> uh what's y'all's rating
0: start with you babe why me i don't know just because last time we started with reverend
2: I give it a, I give it a four point three
0: out of five. Ooh, very specific. Did you want to elaborate?
2: Yeah, I, I hearing that they that they they got the R rating already, so I don't know why wouldn't they they want to go back and reshoot scenes and add blood. You're you're already there now. The opportunity yeah. was there. I, I if they would have went and did that, I would have give it may, maybe like a four and a half, but like. The opportunity was there. You had to do reshoots already, it sounds like. Why wouldn't you just re-touch up some of those shots and make them a little bit more dramatic?
0: Okay. Reverend, you go next. Fair points. You guys, you guys have to decide whether you thought I liked it or not because I kept a pretty good poker face, I thought.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to say that you did, but before we get to that, I rated to a- five out of five i think it's one of carpenter's best movies i mean like the thing is well i'll say this if i'm comparing it to the thing this is definitely like a 4.5 the thing is like a perfect movie yeah but but i feel like he's got room for several fives because he's just that damn good of a director so this is a five for me like it's this i mean you could argue the original halloween uh definitely the thing um, I mean, as far as his horror movies goes, I mean, he's got tons. Like, I mean, I, I love most of his movies, but this one, I just love, I, I love the ghost vibe that he put into it. I love the, everything, you know, that he, he set up with, especially with minimal like minimal uh, minimum budget that he had to get it to go. So
0: yeah, I have to agree. His budget was fucking the, <laughs> he, I thought he did really well with that. Uh, okay. So, uh, Reverend thinks I like it, Bibb. What'd you think I thought of the film?
2: I'm good. I know what you thought of the film.
0: You know what? I th- what did I think of the film? You liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I would give this a three. I was falling wow. asleep. I was falling asleep. It was it was high on the snooze fest.
2: So what is that? It's like uh, unconscious.
0: No, unconscious is the worst. Remember? No,
2: coma is the worst. Coma. Um, coma is the worst. Yeah. No,
0: so it was the best because it was I was I was dozing off, but I was still awake. Uh, I still enjoyed a lot of parts of the film. Uh, again, I mentioned the Hold acting. On.
2: Let's break down your rating system. Your rating system a five to you would be a snooze fest. And then the worst would be a coma.
0: No, this was just on the snooze, snooze fest. We're not, the <laughs> no. actual rating of this film was a three for me. I know,
2: which would be unconscious.
0: I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was awake for most of it. Um, and I didn't find it to be scary. I didn't find the kill scenes to be. Like I said,
2: be... a snooze fest.
0: I said it was a snooze fest, and you told me it was unconscious. So quit changing my rating. Quit interrupting me. It's rude. Thank you. Um,
2: don't be rude.
0: Yeah, don't be fucking rude. Uh, yeah, it, I, You guys built this up for me way too much. It's a
2: good-ass movie.
0: I'm not saying that it's not a good movie. I, I think it's a good movie. That's why I gave it a three. You wouldn't
2: recognize class if you saw
0: it. <laughs> you say that every episode. Uh, it wasn't as effective for me. It just wasn't scary, and the kills were not great. I thought they could have been so much better. I would have liked. I would have loved to see blood.
2: The Opportunity was there.
0: It was. Maybe i I'd give it. A I three.
1: mean, I'll agree with you on that, but I don't need the blood. Like the the scene, like I said, where Dick Baxter's like literally getting a knife through the eyes or whatever. Like, I mean, the sound that goes along with it and just my my envisioning of what it looks like, I, I was good with it. I, I didn't need that.
0: I do like sounds. Um. Also, can someone please explain to me? What I okay when the Downs people were out and about during that whatever event that they were at, you know, some kind of campaign or whatever for Janet Lee, was it to keep them away so that nobody was listening on the radio station so they couldn't save her son? I thought the town was gonna get fucking like demolished. By these fucking, pie. I would have loved to see that. Technically,
2: too. it should have, but I think he was trying to keep it down to. It, he 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 filmed the movie in thirty days. If you would have went that direction, uh huh. There's no way he could have pulled that off. There would have been too many more shots. Well,
0: did they have? Did they have a time restraint to have it filmed in thirty days?
2: Well, pro- money-wise, probably.
0: I mean, okay. you know,
1: they, they, they've got to keep these people in retainer. they got to pay them so much every day. So I'm sure that, like, he planned it out, and he's like, okay, we, we have to have this, in, you know, in the bag by then. And if they would had any extra scenes or any other characters that had any major, like, face, you know, facing roles, they were, they were up the budget, up the time.
0: I just didn't get – I felt like a lot of time was wasted on that campaign, Uh And there was no sense of urgency. Like, these people weren't hearing what was going on because they were watching. So I'm like, cool. They're all going to get fucking killed.
2: I know, but let's think of the era. So media isn't abundant during this era. Yes. So the only media is radio. Correct. How many people carried around radios?
0: No, I know that. So why even have this whole campaign thing happening if they're not going to miss that warning on the radio that something's happening and then they miss it and then they fucking get killed? That would have been amazing.
2: Maybe they did.
0: They did it. You didn't see anything.
2: It doesn't mean they didn't get killed. Well,
0: it makes it not effective.
2: No, it does, because it makes your mind do the heavy lifting like it's doing right now.
0: No, because most of them were fine. Even that fucking Janet Lee's character made it to the top of the mountain. She was fine. Didn't care about her people.
2: No, she and her
1: assistant made it there. That's true. There was plenty of people that were insinuated being in their houses at the time and did their doors stand up to the, you know, whenever the, the actual, I mean...
2: You don't know. It was yeah, focusing on the core people of the movie.
0: Yeah, which is eh. So, anyways. Hold on.
2: How many wasted shots did you feel like were in this movie?
0: Wasted shots? I thought, I,
2: thought, I felt the movie was very efficient at telling the story. There oh, wasn't, it was. There wasn't a lot of wasted scenes.
0: That whole town thing was a big waste to me.
2: No, it was building up how these people were living as the She wasn't fraud. even sad about her husband I know, dying.
0: I Gotta she, move on.
2: Well, she's a politician. There's that. Yeah, so I'm just like... Uh, But so, but if you understand that the movie is very efficient at every scene...
0: Okay, it's a three for me.
2: That's fine. I'm not (laughs) trying to convince you otherwise. I'm trying to make a... It sounds like you are. Anybody listening, I'm trying to make a compelling case why the movie is good.
0: Okay, and they can determine that on their own if they watch it. This is my rating. This is my podcast. So I'm (laughs) telling what Raina... Would give this movie. Uh, I, You know, the problem with this movie is you guys set it up too much for me. Like, it's the best fucking movie ever, and I was just like, this is going to be the best movie. fucking movie ever. This
2: movie held up. I,
0: it, 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 it it
1: hella holds up, to quote you. Yeah, <laughs> and what you, you know, say, you like know what really I probably does. need to
0: do is I probably need to watch the 2005 to appreciate this one a little bit better. Yes.
1: Here, here's the thing you're going to, I think we're going to be uh, at all odds on the next movie that we cover. Not like, not on this podcast, but the very next one, I think we're going to, th- I think you're going to, uh, we're going to have like uh, way different opinions <laughs> yeah. on that
0: movie. Are you talking about the bonus discussion?
1: No, I'm talking about uh, sleepy hollow. When oh, we cover okay. the next episode, I think we're going to have drastically different opinions of that movie, but oh, I'm gonna leave not. it at that before we, you know, yeah. we'll cover our bonus discussion here in a second. All
0: righty. <laughs> I can appreciate that.